Fight Podcast, hosted by Sergio Vicente. The Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a Chicago-based healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. They deliver healthy, organic, custom meals directly to your home or office. For those of you not in Chicago, Sage Eats also offers online fitness mentoring where your personal fitness mentor will send you four weeks worth of workouts that are customized to your body and your goals. Your mentor is available seven days a week to answer questions and offer support. Sign up for Sage Eats at W www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Now here's your host of the FIGHT podcast, Sergio Vicente. Yo, yo. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 117 of the FIGHT podcast. I am your host, Serge Vicente, and we have an amazing show for you today. Today, I will be joined by our weekly boxing contributor, Brandon Camille. He and I are going to discuss so many things, but most importantly, we are going to talk about this weekend's epic Madison Square Garden card and the U.S. debut of the British champion, Anthony Joshua. We will talk about the incredible DAZN card, uh, how it rates from top to bottom, and we will also discuss... Deontay Wilder, the state of the heavyweight division, and the young king, Devin Haney. So with all that being said, man, remember the Fight Podcast is brought to you each week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meals and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 15% off of your first three months. Also, check us out at every social media platform at the fight podcast and follow me at search vicente the fight podcast is everywhere podcasts are available specifically apple or should i say itunes google play spotify stitcher soundcloud all the above man so go out there and check us out today all right without further ado here is my conversation with my weekly boxing contributor brandon camille Fresh off his trip, my man was out there hanging out in Brazil, like just like the world explorer. We're talking about your boy Brandon Camille, man. Brandon, man, I'm glad you're back in town. I'm glad you had a great time out there. You obviously you're gonna talk about the trip, but um, hey, man, thank you as always for joining me once again, man. How is everything? Man, everything is good. Everything is great. Um, as you mentioned, I just got back from Brazil on Monday, but Brazil, you know. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a normal guy, so I went right back to work on Tuesday, and I am dying. Oh, my gosh, I'm dying. <laughs> I, need, I need Friday so bad. And, you know, for those listeners, we record on Thursday nights. So, uh, yeah, I just need the week to be over so I can enjoy these fights this weekend. Real excited for uh, AJ and everything coming up. So I'm excited to get into that with you today. But uh, Brazil, Brazil is a beautiful place. Um, I, I highly suggest it to anyone who has not been, um, especially someone like you super into MMA, just the culture yeah. there. Um, you definitely got to take a trip down there. It's amazing, bro. Oh, man, I got some Brazilian homies, man. And um, having the opportunity to speak to them up when they and hear seeing how they light up talking about their motherland. Oh, dude, it's great, man. And uh, tell me, please tell me you had some acai when you were out there. Listen, um, 
so no yes i did i did i was about I to climb i was like how I, do you go to brazil and i have the acai so it was a bachelor party so i was kind of at the mercy of the best man who's planning the trip uh, trying to stay on schedule so there while there was one you know kind of big dinner at a brazilian steakhouse aside from that it was kind of like eat to survive or the trip will just consume you 100 <laughs> percent, man 100 um, it's funny you talked about have, go ahead i'm sorry I was able to have some of that, um, and I didn't recognize the pronunciation at first, but um, I remember that's how it was pronounced. And we had actually had that a few times for breakfast. It was really good. Oh, yeah. I never had it in my life. Well, you know, it's hilarious, man, because y- y- you're a boxing guy. I'm an MMA guy. Being the fact that I'm an MMA, we know all about Brazil. That's why, like, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of acai and jujitsu, fam. That's how we get down. <laughs> yeah. I, personally, I wanted to take a jujitsu class while we were down there, but I, when I say I was in the super minority <laughs> for a bachelor party, like oh, I understand, nah, bro. That, that, that uh, no one was even trying to hear that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it was a great trip. Like I had so much fun. It's so beautiful. I love a place where the mountains are right over the beach. Oh yeah, yeah. So. That's how it was when I went to Haiti. And so that's similar to how it is in Rio. And uh, it's just beautiful. It's yeah. a truly beautiful place. And the weather down there was just about perfect when nice, we went man. because um, so it's probably it probably didn't get below like 78 the whole time I was there and but didn't go above 90. So oh, literally, dude, that's beautiful. Perfect. So, well, hey, I, man, you no went point. out there. You saw one of the wonders. You saw Christ the Redeemer. But what we're going to talk about today is the Mecca MSG this weekend. We have a phenomenal fight. Finally, Anthony Joshua's going out here and finally making his U.S. debut, man. Um, I'm excited about it, man. How about you? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't feel like they've done an amazing job of, you know what? Let me rephrase that. I, I, I think they're doing a better job in terms of the zone. And you can hear people starting to talk about it a little bit more. You see, like, on YouTube, Meek Mill was hanging out with Anthony Joshua and whatnot. But uh, in, in terms of the fight, man, how, how do you feel about it, man? Are you ready for it? Oh, yeah, I'm super ready for it. And I think just, you know, over here in the U.S., we get very, um, am- not, not ambushed, but... Uh, almost like bulldoze with all the Deontay Wilder stuff and him going viral with the first round knockout that sometimes we do forget that there is a three belt heavyweight champion overseas named Anthony Joshua who does do work inside that squared circle you know what man I I don't I don't agree I, I think that people there was a point in time where everybody was two years ago not even two years ago the talk of the heavyweight division especially after he beat Klitschko was AJ. AJ was the man, even here, when you heard, you listen to any of the shows, any any major podcast, anything, the top guy was always Anthony Joshua. So I think everybody's always looked at him like he's been this top dog, but I, I thoroughly believe since none of those fights have come to fruition, you have Deontay Wilder, who's fought every other scary guy in the division. And, and competed extremely well. I think it. it I, I think less about we're us being bombarded with Deontay Wilder. I think it's more so the fact that Anth- Deontay Wilder took it. He here, here, took it from him. And and I think you make some great points. Here's my thoughts on it. I think that your sentiments are probably true for boxing fans, and I would totally agree. But for more of the general public, Anthony Joshua's name in the U.S. is largely tied to Deontay Wilder's rise to fame. 
in my opinion, for the general public, not necessarily. Okay. Oh, I understand uh, the, what you mean. If we're we're talking about casuals, but a lot of times, if I'm not I like general public and stuff, when I'm looking at it, especially when we're talking, uh, we're talking about in terms of obviously we have the the casuals, right? The casuals don't know shit anyways. The casuals know, now they know Deontay Wilder because he's been knocking people's faces off and it's going viral. But before that, all they knew was Canelo. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I look, I guess you're right. I think um, the casuals didn't know about him as as much. But uh, it, it, yeah, well, look, I, know, I see what she's saying. You can keep going about that. And I feel you. And I mean, I just think, you know, this is a big introduction to him to the to the U.S. And I think back going back a few months to the announcement with him and Miller back when that was a thing. And, you know, Miller wanted to, you know, pop a few pills, take a few needles. He wanted to do his thing. So we're not speaking about him anymore. But Yo, for a lot of he people, he pissed. High. He popped for everything. Oh, yeah. He, everything. He, Yo, how do you pop for all the steroids? He's a science project. Fam, I'm he so disappointed, but I digress. Continue. Yeah, I mean, he, he don't he don't deserve the airtime uh, right now. Now, yeah, so I, I think this is a big introduction for Anthony Joshua. And, you know, some people are, you know, do forget how much of a monster he is um, in the squared circle. And, you know, even the people that know his name and that have respect for him sometimes forget that he's still a monster in there. Maybe he's not the knockout artist that Deontay Wilder is, but as a heavyweight champion boxer, I mean, Anthony Joshua... Anthony Joshua actually, which is funny, granted, he has half the fights, but Anthony Joshua's knockout percentage is 98.4%. Yeah, and Deontay Wilder's is 95.2. Double the fights, but again, he is the the, he has the third highest knockout percentage for any champion in boxing period. Yeah, and but he's not knocking guys out in the fashion that Deontay Wilder knocks them out. So different power, Deontay, absolutely. Yeah, di- different t- types of power. And Anthony Joshua has a tendency to break guys down throughout the fight, and he'll find a home for that uppercut. Um, or, you know, but I mean, he has a plethora of good punches, but obviously his Sunday punch is that right uppercut that he loves to land. Now, um, with this fight on Saturday, I'm excited. I am Good. excited. It's been so long since we've seen Anthony Joshua. Dude, it has Pavekin been back- forever. Pavekin was back in September. And, and, you know, this is what you get sometimes with this two fight a year schedule where you have these big lulls from September to the May, Junish area. I mean, that's a long time to be out of the ring. Anthony Joshua should be, I mean... If he's going to fight two times a year, it should be every six months. It shouldn't be with this long. What is it? What's that? Eight, 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 eight months? Eight months. Eight months. Eight months. No, break. nine. I mean, nine? that's June. That's oh, June. You're right. That was, that was September. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nine. a nine month break. I, and for I thoroughly believe for a champion, that's far too long. That, that's far too long. It, you're right. It should eight. be every. It, exa- he's only 29. He's young, you know. And he and, only has 22 fights. Exactly. He's he's not. He's fighting like somebody. He's at, he's fighting at the same clip as someone who already has 40 fights. Yeah. You, you know. Uh, he's he's fighting like that. Granted, he's one of the more established names in boxing. And when you're that when you're at that level, you get to do that. And it also makes your fights bigger when you don't fight as often. So you're going to cash out a little bit more, get a little bit more bang for your buck when you're putting yourself in all that danger in the ring with another 300 pound heavyweight. Maybe that's what he's going for. But 
Uh, as you mentioned, and I obviously agree, I mean, nine months is just a long time for him to be out of the ring. I don't want to see any more Especially of that. Especially <laughs> because since he fought, Deontay Wilder fought twice. He had two incredible performances. Well, one amazing comeback and the other one knockout of the year hands down, right? So he, oh, let me rephrase that. He was in the fight of the year last year and he has the knockout of the year now. And I think that goes back to what I was saying a little earlier. It really boils down to, yo, if you're not seen, you're forgotten, especially when the other guy who's been calling you out for the last two and a half, three years, when he's been calling you out, he's doing work fighting everybody else. And then again, we'll talk about his next opponent also, but then he's still fighting all the tough guys that the majority of us who actually are fans of his are like, dude, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? So, um, that... Let, but also let me preface my statement by saying this truly I don't think AJ's pussy I don't think any of those three I think all three of them want all the smoke like I'm not gonna like, I used to think AJ didn't want it I think AJ wants it I think his team knows something that he doesn't and they don't want it but it's making him look bad I disagree I think his team wants the fight um, I, I think both sides once want the fight, but at this point, I think before it was AJ's team back when we we're talking about Q3, Q4, 2018, I think it was AJ's team that either didn't want the fight or maybe it was something on the Eddie Hearn side. Now it's the Deontay Wilder side that's saying, okay, well you're going to wait. I personally think there was a very, um, very rigid shift in Deontay Wilder's tone once Tyson Fury went another direction. Oh, he was hurt. Not only hurt, but I think his mindset changed too. Like, I'm doing all of this. Now he's in his 30s, knocking all these guys out. Like, I want to fight the best, but at a certain point, if this is going to be the game that we're going to play, well, I'm going to get my money too. And I think that's where Deontay's, De- Deontay Wilder is at uh, at the current moment. Yeah, so I and think that's what I said. he was he went out there and he really was one of those guys that was like, look, man, you guys don't want it. You guys are trying to play this game because, look, Deontay Wilder is someone who I always thought from the beginning wanted legacy. I really felt that way. And he always spoke about legacy and building and things like that. That's why I've always appreciated him. And he moved in that manner also. He actually was the one avidly looking for those fights. And when you look at it, I really don't, it didn't feel the same when, with Anthony Joshua. Now, you're right, his tune has changed a little bit. But when you hear his team, they're saying the same thing to everybody. But behind closed doors, at the end of the day, if this fight, if they really wanted this fight, this fight could have been made. Let's be serious. You know what I'm saying? So I look at it if it gets pushed back. And unfortunately, I think they're right. If this fight happens at all, it's going to happen mid-2020. I would totally agree. I mean, and not just this fight, any of the fights. Because at this point, I mean, it's all about the three heavyweights. And with the position that they put the fans in, we'll take anything. Anybody. It doesn't have to be Wilder, AJ, throw Fury in there against either one of those guys. We'll take that. We just want something. Um, And I'm hoping by the first quarter of 2020, we're able to get that. Um, And I listened to an interview with Bob Arum a bit earlier this week. 
And I think that's their plan as well. Q1 2020 for that rematch with Wilder. So I'm hoping that hoping they can put that together. But AJ with the zone, I'm not necessarily sure of top rank and Bob Aram's mindset, but I'm pretty sure PBC and Al Heyman want to do pay-per-view. And yeah. it's not like things things were in the past with the HBO and Showtime where they both have pay-per-view models. With a model right. like the zone that's really trying to disrupt this whole pay-per-view mindset and flip that on its head, that is directly in conflict which with what Wilder's doing over there uh, with Showtime and PBC. So it's that aspect alone really puts a wrench in things. Uh, okay. And then when you take take into consideration the fact that like we're not even talking about these guys sitting down to discuss this yet. Uh, okay, look, I feel you, but you know what? That 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 fight is at least a year and a half away, so fuck that. Let's not let's talk about the, what's actually happening this weekend. Um, and if we actually look at what's happening this weekend, yo, I think we have a more compelling car a more compelling fight than most people um i think understand or believe so when i looked at the odds right we got andy ruiz fighting obviously for those of us who do not know andy ruiz um solid fighter man uh he's 32 and 1 21 ko's his only losses to joseph parker okay um and here's i'm gonna be very honest with you man I've looked at that. I've watched that fight twice since I've realized that he had to fight because that's the biggest name on his record, his resume. Yo, Andy Ruiz won that fight. He fought Joseph Parker in New Zealand, in Auckland, in his hometown. So when I watched it and I went back and watched it, yo, Andy Ruiz had Joseph Parker hurt many times, and I believe he actually won that fight. So when I looked at the odds, the odds right now, you got uh, Anthony Joshua as a minus 2100 favorite fam it's crazy he's a huge favorite um anthony uh ruiz is a dog my question is this man are people overlooking andy ruiz i certainly am Uh, i'll tell you that and I, i think like similar to brazil in really any big fight you know we get closer to the fight date and things look a little bit differently than they did when you first heard the announcement And I'm trying to not buy into the promotion as much. Andy Ruiz is probably in the best shape of his life. He's essentially been in a really, really long camp, which works to his advantage because he's not one of those uh, Anthony Joshua heavyweights with the body. So he's been in a really long camp. He had a fight. Nobody the Anthony Joshua heavyweight with the body. I mean, but you know, Deontay Wilder still looks like a professional athlete. Mm, looking looking yoked boy that boy was looking mean his last fight yeah he's andy andy ruiz is probably makes tyson fury look uh, look pretty decent um and that's nothing good uh and tyson fury has been looking great recently but he really so, has no no for real and look not not even just to, to to go on your point when i watched him on um on espn recently i was like he dude he looks healthy my man's skin looks good. He shaved he that lo- beard. He look. He looks like he's. Uh, he looks like he's been going to therapy. My he man like, looks happy. Oh man, bro, look like he's eating his vegetables. 
he looked like a happy ass Dr. Phil patient. Dude, I, I I am happy for um Tyson Fury. He is one of my favorites in the game, man. So salute to that man. Um I, I think I think shaving the beard was a strategic move. Um I think they knew shaving that beard would expose his face. It just makes him a little bit more marketable, um, especially when he's going to be showing his face all over ESPN on all of those shows. So, um, so yeah, I I think that that was a strategic move and it worked for him When, when he shaved that beard. He had a sort of a glow to him that he didn't have before, especially right. fighting back from what, what he fought from uh, with the addiction. Right. But going back to Andy Ruiz, though, I, I don't think he has much of a chance. I, I think um, we w- they want to make it. They want to market the fight. OK. Yeah, like, absolutely. Um, Let me ask you I, this. Let me ask you this. How many of his fights have you actually watched? Just his last one. Even, his, and that was the, that was even before the fight was announced. I did not watch the Joseph Parker fight. Okay, so I'm gonna be very honest with you. And I'm li- anybody listening. If you want to put your money on a dog this weekend, put your money on Andy Ruiz. Okay, and this is why. And I'm gonna tell you exactly why. I'm not saying he's gonna win. But if I was going to put money on this card, but no, but I'm putting this money on this card, I'd actually put it on Andy Ruiz, right? And this is why. Andy Ruiz is not a Dominic Brazil. Andy Ruiz is a legit heavyweight, okay? When we look at, we look at Anthony Joshua, we look at his pedigree, right? Andy Ruiz had over a hundred amateur fights. He has also, again, it's 110 amateur fights. He has over 30, uh, he's 32 and one as a pro. He has over 50 fights. He has almost 60 fights more, even amateur wise. Altogether, he has far more experience than um, Anthony Joshua does. Not saying he's fought the same caliber guys, but internationally and in terms of amateur wise he has a better pedigree right if we're looking at it he didn't he didn't go to go out for the olympics he was doing other shit he's some mexican kid down they didn't have the same you know funds and shit around him right we're not even go there it's different situations but he was born in he was born in cali i know i know he was but i'm saying he's a mexican kid from down there yeah understood so he great pedigree great background a lot of experience now, what are his attributes? If you actually look at him, he has far better hand speed than Anthony Joshua. Which is so surprising, but he does. Far better. That- he, not only does he have far better hand speed, he throws way more combinations. Way more combinations. And amazing chin always comes forward, right? He is, the, he is boxing's version of... Cain Velasquez in MMA when Cain was the man. Cain was the first combat sports Mexican heavyweight champion. 6'2", 240. And Ruiz, 6'2", 255. Similar body type. Both guys who stay in your chest and get busy. Now, what does... You said it a little earlier. We look at Anthony Joshua. We look at what he does great, right? Has great step back. He comes forward a little bit. He's very technical. But if I'm looking at who actually has quicker hands and actually is more precise with their shots and who actually snaps, Anthony Joshua pushes his punches. It's all force. Ruiz snaps his punch. No, he, you cannot tell me he, put, he snaps his punches, fam. 
all of his punch. I don't think he pushes all of that. I, I think his hand speed is a little bit slow. I don't it, think he's I'm not pushing saying, all I'm of his punches. I'm not saying this is it, dude. It's force. It's not the same. It's it, nothing is a whip. Sometimes you'll see a snappy jab because he gets you on the the midstep, so he gets you on a half beat with his jab sometimes, and that pops people's heads back. But the only thing I've ever seen snappy with him is that uppercut. Everything else is pushed. I could be wrong. You people could disagree with me all they want. That's cool. But I I'm disagree. just calling it like I see it. You, you disagree all you want. Never been punched in the face. So, uh, <laughs> so what, what, that got, what that got to do with me visually? Nothing that I've never been punched in the face. It's fun to talk you, to you. You're just going to pull a Roy Jones in the middle of the podcast. 100%. Uh, <laughs> all jokes aside, no, I'm not playing. Because it's, 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 it, uh, you do have a f- phenomenal eye for the sport. Um, I believe he pushes his punches. And again, I think, and now let me give you what I think Anthony Joshua does great. He's huge. He, he, and he's a force because of his sheer size. Now, there's a four inch height differential here, but in person, uh, they have the press the press conference today. It, it looks, looks a lot more. It, it looks a lot more. Now, I, I have an answer for that. His last opponent was six eight, who had an eighty three inch reach. Anthony Joshua is 6'7 with an 82-inch reach. He's fought somebody that big. Recently, it was a perfect warm-up for him. Now he is literally somebody who's right there. It's it's a perfect warm-up. He's used to that size. I don't see it being an issue. I don't think it's an issue for Andy, Andy Ruiz. Simply and he's used to being the shorter guy. He, yeah, that's all he ever knows. That's all he knows. Um, so, I, look, look, man, when I look at it and... Like I said, I thoroughly believe that Ruiz beat Joseph Parker. Who we look back at Joseph Parker fight. That was a tough fight for for AJ. Unanimous decision, extremely tough fight. And here's another thing I noticed. He never had Joseph Parker hurt. And Ruiz had Joseph Parker hurt at least three times in that fight. And here's another thing. Uh, we look at it again. AJ tends to start slow. We looked at him with the Povetkin fight. He started slow. Povetkin was able to get off. The problem with Povetkin is that he didn't have the cardio to keep that pace. There's a reason why he got popped for EPO back in the day. You know what I'm saying? You have Andrew Ruiz who can keep throw those punches, keep that pace for 12 rounds. Andy Ruiz is a dangerous fighter, and I am not going to lie to you. I am worried for Anthony Joshua, and that's what I'm saying. I'm worried because here's the thing. If he does not win this... It it, it 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 shits it shits on everything for everybody. It, it does. Now, what I've heard about, and, and I'll take a take a second tomorrow to watch the Andy Ruiz and Joseph Parker fight. What I've heard is that he was very, uh, I wouldn't say dominant, but he was clearly winning the fight early and gassed a little bit later. And I mean, his his frame doesn't support the frame of someone who can keep uh, who that's, can keep a certain that's pace a for twelve fallacy, rounds. Fallacy, fam. That is a I, I, fallacy in combat sports. Prime example, look at all the damn Mexican boxers except for Canelo. They all got a pudge. Mikey Garcia got a pudge. You know what I'm saying? It's a body type. That's his body type. He's been moving that body around his whole life. That has dick to do with cardio. We'll see. But I'm, I'm t- combining that with what I've heard about that Joseph Parker fight was that he gassed late. Now, you've seen the fight. Do you think no. he gassed late in that no. fight? Okay. No. Okay. If, if, if he didn't gas late, no. then then that's fine. I and, watched and, his last fight. And, and I'll be honest with you too. You know who does gas? Are you going to say AJ? Yeah. I, I don't think AJ gases. I mean, 
he gasses like anybody else, but I don't see it as an issue. Look, man, I, I thoroughly believe that if he he gassed terribly in um he gassed terribly in uh in what's it called? Um in that um in the what the hell, Klitschko fight. So he gassed in the Klitschko fight. He was fortunate enough that Klitschko was 187 years old and he was able to actually bounce back, you know, and he was able to actually end up beating Klitschko in that regard. A younger Klitschko, I'm going to be honest with you, probably wins that fight. Neither here nor there, AJ won. And here's the thing. People going to listen to the surge. You hating on AJ. You hating on AJ. It's not that I'm hating on him. I think he is a phenomenal fighter. I think he's extremely overrated. Now, I also have to big up the other guy. Otherwise, what the hell we come on here to sound like talking just like, yeah, he's going to wash him and we're going to keep it moving. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I had to look at the other side, especially when we're looking at it. Like, I have to look at the other side and say, okay, is there an opportunity? Because, again, just like you heard me with Dominic Brazil, Dominic Brazil, I didn't think he had a chance. I didn't think he had a chance in hell. I don't think Buddy, who's about to fight Tyson Fury, has a chance in hell. There's what, a what, difference. What about, what about uh, that Triple G fight coming up? <laughs> man, that dude don't got a chance in hell either, man. Like, I, I, I'm look. I, honestly, that's why I didn't even bring up Triple G when we were talking, in, you know, before the show. No reason to even talk about Triple G till Triple G fights somebody real again. I don't care. I'm curious to see his next fight strictly because he has a new coach, a new camp. But we won't see the ramifications of that until he actually fights a real fighter. We now, won't. Now, for the listener, I mean, listeners, Sergio's not off base here. For a lot of the hardcore boxing fans, they will tell you that Andy Ruiz is actually a much tougher opponent than uh, Big Baby Miller would have been. He hits harder. He throws, he has more volume. And here's another thing, the difference between Andy Ruiz and Big Baby. I hate to say it like this, as much as I was a fan of Big Baby, but in Big Baby's fights, when we actually look at Big Baby, he won't put himself in, in, he doesn't put himself at risk. Ever, he plays it very safe. We're talking about a Mexican style fighter in Andy Ruiz. Yes, at at heavyweight, throwing bombs. There's a reason why this man's nickname is the Destroyer. Straight up, he's somebody who not only can be trouble for a uh, a AJ. Yo, he's trouble for any of them. He really is, man. I, I'm, I'm actually pretty high on this kid, man. I, I think he's a legit heavyweight. I think he's a legit problem for all of them to figure out. Do you think the fight goes past six? I'm going the under. I'm saying no. Oh, you're disrespectful. Um, I'm not disrespectful. I think I, I could see it. I, I see it as an AJ knockout in, in six. But I mean, if I don't, Ruiz I don't wins, see, I don't see AJ. I, I, this is a unanimous decision. If AJ could knock out Joseph Parker, he's not knocking out Andy Ruiz. I, I don't think this fight is going to the judges. And Andy Ruiz has a different fighting style than Joseph Parker. That's much better fit to, uh, to fight uh, Anthony Joshua. Uh, I, I disagree. I disagree. I think Joseph Parker, and we've noticed it over the last couple of fights, as tough as he is, um, it, it's there's some technical. He needs to work on some things technically, right? He doesn't take a lot of risk, and he should take more. And, risk. and, and that's a, and that's and that's, and that's the thing. I'm sorry, man. The guys who win, I'm not talking about like Klitschko. You've been there forever, right? 
You've been there forever. You've been you've been a champ forever in MMA. You look at GSP after he won the chip and he actually got touched at one point in time. He ended up being safer and shit like that. Yo, man, the how do you get to the chip? How do you end up becoming a superstar? And this is why, in my opinion, Deontay Wilder is the most exciting, terrifying heavyweight champion that we have seen since a prime Mike Tyson. And the reason I feel that is because no matter what, Anthony Yardy just said this about Deontay Wilder. He said, Deontay Wilder takes all the risks and it's either... I'm going to go out on my shield or I'm going to put you out regardless on what happens. He gets hit. He takes it. And you know what, man? I, that, it's entertainment. And yeah, we love this shit. That's what it's supposed to be. And that's why Andrew Ruiz poses a huge threat, a bigger threat than Tyson, than uh, Joseph Parker did because he's going to take the risk. He's going to put himself out there in the, in the same way that uh, Parker wouldn't. And it could really, really put a... Um, if. If AJ isn't expecting it, he can really get fucked up. Now, while I think that's a, I, I don't think that's a fair assessment of Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder picks his shots, and he will take a risk when he throws that right hand. And with the way the velocity and the power that he throws that straight right, every time he throws it, he's taking a risk. But the risk that we're talking, speaking about. I hope you see the face I'm making. <laughs> I, I do, I do. But the risk that we're speaking about is guys who are willing to go inside the pocket, trade a, ah, trade a little dude, bit. That is, that is, that, that's so off base. Okay. So, yeah, and, so and that, that, that's off base, man. Because here's the thing: we're talking just because one guy fights on the it's two different styles of fighting. It doesn't mean he's taking more risk than the other guy, bro. It's two different styles. If I can stay on the outside, I'm taking the risk because of the way I explode in and I throw my right hand so hard, I always leave myself open. Because here's the thing. Deontay Wilder takes that risk with that big one-two. His jab, his setup jab, the best in the heavyweight division, he'll pop you from a distance. Pop, pop, pop. But when he throws that right hand, my man comes off his feet. But he's not the- he's not staying in the pocket to try to try to land the next punch. Dog, that 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 doesn't mean he's not taking risks, man. So he's you don't throwing think- the punch and he's off fucking balance, bro. You don't think that the other heavyweight heavyweights don't take risk, at least with I'm one punch, a couple punches not, around. No, it's a look at styles, study some fights, look at styles, and you realize that guys actually stand from the outside. You take risks from the outside. You don't have to fight on the inside. If my style, if I don't fight on the inside, I have fucking 83 inch reach, 83 and a half inch reach like Deontay Wilder. I'm, I can't throw on the inside. That's not me taking risks. Me taking a risk is sitting here losing a fucking boxing match to Lewis Ortiz, knowing I'm losing, nutting up. He was winning. And throw it. Okay. Nutting up and and end up throwing was he, was, he, was he not winning on the scorecards? I'm not, dude, let me finish my point. Don't be dumb. Go ahead. Come on. So he's sitting there. He's taking risks. Okay, fine. Let me throw Tyson Fury. Losing in Tyson Fury. Last round, I'm going to nut up. I'm going to throw a fucking left hook that people didn't see coming off fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, fam, he's taking risks. He took risks with Dominic Brazil. Throwing fucking body shots as far as he did from the outside, opening and leaving himself open, that's leaving yourself open. That is taking risks. Come on, man. But now are you saying that every punch he throws is a risk? Damn near. 
Okay, so damn how, near. So Deontay Wilder is throwing Deontay Wilder takes just as not... much risk as as uh, as uh, as Ruiz does. He's not playing it safe. Okay, that's fair. It, I, I just don't He's think it's fair. It I don't think it's, it's fair to say that every sing, every single punch Deontay Wilder throws is him taking a risk because Andy Andy Ruiz has to take much more of a risk to land his shots just because of the way it's of the frame. Style, he's in. fam. It's a style, and that's the thing. Styles make fights. If a guy is used to fighting on the inside, him going on the inside is no more of a risk than a, a tall guy who stays on the outside. It's a body type. You're lived your entire life fighting that way. That's how you've trained. Me going on the inside doesn't make any difference when you standing out. What's a, okay? What's you know what's a risk for Andy Ruiz standing on the outside and trying to outbox Anthony Joshua? That's taking a risk. Him that's, sitting in his chest. That's not taking a risk. That's him doing what he does. When I say taking a risk, I I mean putting yourself at risk to be knocked out. That, putting your you're a heavyweight, fam. Every heavyweight takes risks. Yes, but he is much more at risk on the inside against a fighter like Anthony Joshua than he would be on the outside. Being on the inside is with Anthony no, Joshua. He, he, he's best worse. Punch on, is his he right is, uppercut he is, is a lot more of a worse risk than it would be being on the outside. You're wrong. You're wrong. He's far. He's far more. He's he is more at risk standing on the outside of Anthony Joshua's long punches. Because guess what? If you're in Anthony Joshua's chest, you can't throw an uppercut like this. Not like this, especially the way he fights. Now, if Anthony he has Joshua makes room for that uppercut, it's not because, like he's just because. In his chest but again, we're talking. But we're talking about a guy, and you're ta- and you're making my point for me. You're making my point for me because here's the thing: he, when he makes space for the uppercut, where does he land the uppercut? Does he land the uppercut on the inside, or is he landed from the outside? He lands it on the inside. Okay, never mind. No, never mind. You you you. I, we're obviously th- looking at different things and breaking it down differently. There, Anthony Joshua does not throw a tight uppercut. Anthony Joshua throws a long uppercut and he catches you out here. He doesn't catch you in here. He catches you out here with his uppercut. Look at his knockout with Klitschko. Look at everything else. He catches him. It, w- it wasn't a t- short uppercut. It was long. Now, does he land it? Yes, he absolutely lands it. But he throws a longer uppercut and that's what he throws more consistently than anything else. I think I, I disagree. I think his uppercut is lands on the inside, and even in tight quarters, he finds ways to create space enough to land that uppercut. So let me ask you this: be 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 real. What's more dangerous for Ruiz, sitting on the inside or sitting on the outside? And when you say danger, you mean in danger of losing the fight or in danger in of getting danger knocked out of getting in that moment? Knocked out, inside or outside? Inside. You're a clown. Dude, I, so I, no, I, I so here's here's the, here's the, here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Listen, that, that, I think Ruiz does his best work on the inside. So how but is that also, for him taking the risk, fam? Because it's also the the in at, on in, when he's inside, he has the highest chance of getting of getting knocked out by Joshua as well. That's where he's gonna do his best oh, work. So he has to take those risks. Bro. But you're he's exhausting. way more, he's you're way so more likely exhausting. to get knocked out on the inside than he is on the outside against Anthony Joshua. You're wrong. You're wrong. And the reason you're wrong is because of the man's style. It's that if you live on the inside, that's what you do. You don't do well. Okay, I'm going to shift to MMA just to like a visual for, for people who are listening. Daniel Cormier and John Jones fought. Daniel Cormier, when he was, even though John Jones is a much longer opponent, John Jones has an 84-inch reach. Daniel Cormier only has a 74-inch reach. It's crazy, ridiculous reach, right? Daniel Cormier lives on the inside. He was 
fighting. John Jones throws amazing elbows. John Jones throws um, amazing uppercuts. Everything. John Jones is. You think about it, these uppercuts on the inside, bro. That's better than an uppercut. You're blasting people with elbows. Now, was he able to do any damage to Dammit Cormier on the inside? No. He got his mouthpiece not fucked, knocked out. He was getting fucked up by the smaller man on the inside, even though John Jones is incredible on the inside. The moment that he went to the outside and he was able to use his actual reach and length is when he knocked out Daniel Cormier. So here's the thing. When a guy who is short and stocky, okay, he's short and stocky in his life. He, that's what he does. When you're, when you're trained to fight in people's chest and come forward, uppercuts and things like that, that is no more dangerous than a jab. Because you're accustomed to it, you're used to seeing it, that's what comes into play. Because everyone throws uppercuts at you. So he dirty boxes, he moves his head, his style is set up for that. He doesn't have to worry about getting clipped on the uppercut because he, he's always thinking about an uppercut because he knows he puts himself in that position. That's easy. That's just like, like um, somebody who is long, let's say a Deontay Wilder. I want to use my jab and throw my fucking right hand because that is what I do better than anybody else. That's what I do. That's my thing. If I stay in, if I, if I, Deontay Wilder's, if somebody's in Deontay Wilder's chest, a la Lewis Ortiz, it could be a problem. You know what I'm saying? So you have to look at it that way. You got to look at styles, bro. Styles and what that person normally does. I can't sit there and say just because, oh man, Anthony Joshua throws a great uppercut. So that's the punch that, no man, different styles make fights. Those, those, that punch where he loves that punch. It worked extremely well for the opponents that he had. But for somebody who is short, compact, and actually thrives off of a specific style, he's used to it. Dude, that's, that's no more risk than anything else. Now, being somebody, if I sit there and I'm accustomed to being the inside, and then I want to sit, oh man, he throws a mean-ass uppercut. Let me try to st- sit there and actually stay out here. He gets picked apart all day. Anthony Joshua uses his incredible jab. He throws that big right hand and damn self. And then he, once he starts hitting you with that jab... Then he can start tagging him with that big-ass uppercut from the outside the same way Canelo Alvarez caught Miguel Cotto. That big uppercut from the outside, I turned him, blah, looks great. I think we have different views on Anthony Joshua's uppercut because while I do agree that uh, Canelo's uppercut is landed from the outside, I don't think that Anthony Joshua's uppercut is landed in the same fashion. Okay, I think so uppercut- let, let's take the uppercut out of it. We're talking the style, stylistically. Does it make sense what I'm saying? I hear what you're I hear what you're saying, but no, in my opinion, it doesn't make sense because just because Andy Ruiz does his best work on the in on the inside, that doesn't take away the fact that it's still a ever, risk. Did, uh, OK, go finish. It's still a risk for him to be there because Anthony Joshua does very good work. They're, on the they're inside heavyweights. Well. They're heavyweight fighters. It's a risk for them to be anywhere in the damn ring. But it's way more of a risk for him to go in the dangers of Anthony not, Joshua's danger zone. It, it's not if that's where you live. What did what did, what did fucking uh, uh, Bane just say in Batman? Just, just, I was born in the darkness. I'm accustomed to the darkness. Don't mean you can't get your ass knocked out. Fam, I'm not saying he's not going to get knocked out, but we said what's going to be the danger zone. For Anthony DeRuiz, what will be more dangerous, sitting on the inside or sitting on the outside? Sitting, on the, outs- sitting on the outside will be boring, and he can he can still get knocked out on the outside. I'm not saying that he can't, I, but he's more, more likely because- to get knocked out on the inside than he is the, on the outside. <laughs> you, you, While you're saying that he's more likely to get knocked out on the outside because he's used to being on the inside. That's I understand that He point, doesn't fight I- that way. If he doesn't fight that way, how is it possible? 
Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's at more danger now. Can he get hit? Is he more likely to get hit with an uppercut on the inside? Sure. I'll give you that. Yes. Is that not Anthony Joshua's best punch? Fantastic. That's great. So is he not more at risk on the inside when he's in no, uh, when he's in range no, for Anthony Joshua's no, because best punch. here because okay so let, let me break it down even more for you it's not an ish it's not the most dangerous place for you to be especially if have you seen guys take away punches from other fighters yes have you seen people take away other people's weapons yes so if somebody can take away somebody's weapon and if they are accustomed to fighting a certain way they are versed at taking away specific weapons yes or no Yes. So if they're versus taking weapons, I have more confidence in Anthony Ruiz, Andy Ruiz fighting him on the inside and no, trying to take away that weapon because of his distance, because of his pace, because of th- this shit. I can see that happening. More, you know what I'm saying? To that, that's what I'm looking at. Now, again, if I look at it as a boil down, it, can he get clipped with it? Nigga, yeah, it's fucking boxing. It's a fight. Anything can happen. I just see it being more dangerous for him on the inside than the outside. I understand why. You, I don't think he can it's, win a fight from the outside. He has to win the fight on the inside because that's what he knows. That's his style. I, I'm a I agree with you. I, I, I think you're wrong. And that's totally fine. It's cool that we have different opinions on things. Um, but when when I, I'm I'm looking at this from a perspective of and I, and I hate to bring it. I'm not even trying to say it to be funny or anything. Perspective of somebody who's actually been in there. Right. And and when you're in there and you've realized it's like, look, man, yes, this guy is great at something. He can create distance and doing this shit. But if I am good here, fuck that dude's weapon. Like, I have to sit there and game plan to figure out how to not get hit with that thing. So but you're still but, but, in- but, but so OK. So but again, OK, so OK, let me let me turn it around. Forget Andy. Let's, let's, OK, yo, Anthony Joshua better watch out. Anthony Joshua is, is Anthony Joshua is in more danger on the inside than Andrew Ruiz is because Andrew Ruiz throws more punches from the inside than Anthony Joshua does. What's Anthony Andrew Ruiz's best punch? Yeah, on the left hook. No, overhand right. Sure. Sure, you've seen one okay. uh, five rounds. I, 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 I'm, I'm asking. Overhand right is his biggest punch. The majority of people he knocks out is with a big ass overhand right. If you're in somebody's chest, somebody who we both have agreed does not move their head, what punch is going to be the punch that's going to be the most dangerous punch for you? Overhand right. Because you don't see it coming. That is the same punch that he fucking uh, hurt Joseph Parker with a number of times. And here, and I'm going to pull this out too. If we look at the common opponents that the two have had, they've had two common opponents. Um, one guy, his name is, uh, fucking Kevin Johnson. Kevin Johnson's journeyman, 34 and 13. Both guys got him out of there. Don't care about that, right? But if I looked at the fight with Joseph Parker, okay? And who is, and again, it is a style thing. Styles make fights, so it, it, it's hard to make that comparison. It's, it's apples and oranges. It, it really is. If we're looking at one guy fighting because it's two completely different styles. But if I'm looking at a fight and I really want to break it down in that capacity against that guy, against their common opponent, Joseph Parker, who is 25 and 2, uh, 19 KOs, an absolute monster. And Ruiz had a better fight and kept in his chest. And Ruiz himself even said that's the fight when he watched Joseph Parker fight Anthony Joshua was when he stopped there. He looked at his coaches and he was like, yo, I can beat that dude. And that's when he said it, watching that Joseph Parker fight. 
And so again, you're looking at, you're thinking about this big, scary, the biggest, you know, this, this name. But when you actually look at the X's and O's of it, yes, of course, when he's on the inside, he has to worry about one punch. But when Andy Ruiz is on the inside, Anthony Joshua has to worry about combinations of punches. That's what I'm saying. Each yeah, man I- has to. Th- so here's the thing. How do I? And that's another thing, too. Anthony Joshua doesn't throw a lot of volume. He doesn't. And we haven't really seen him pressured. Now, does he throw combinations? He does. He does throw combinations, but he doesn't throw a lot of volume. So what we were what we were speaking about is if Wilder takes risk or not. And I think you make a good point that, look, when Andy Ruiz has to fight on the inside, that's where he does his best work. But he's also in the biggest danger zone because that's where Anthony Joshua will do some of his best work as well. Now, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is that a fighter like Deontay Wilder does on the outside. We're talking about that's how we got that's how we got that's how we got in this conversation about taking risk. Is that not how we got here? Dog, keep going. What I'm saying about Deontay Wilder is that he he's an, more of an outside fighter. Yes, he does go inside to land to land his big big punch, but he stays in the outside with that jab that you love to mention. Now, now he doesn't have to worry about a lot of fighters on the outside. He just doesn't because they can't reach him. So that's why I'm saying yes, he takes a risk to get in and get out, but he's not staying inside of the pocket. Staying inside of the pocket where people are in range to do work against him is way more of a risk for him, which is why he sits on the outside. So, uh, and, and again, why did so say it again? Why he sits on the outside? Because that's because people can't reach him. Because that's his game, right? Yes. Okay. Why would Andrew Ruiz stay on the inside? Because that's his game. But okay. his game is also also plays into Anthony Joshua's game, and that's what I'm saying about taking risk. And or Wilder is not at risk on the outside. That's his game, and people really can't reach him out there. They can't reach him. So he's not really he's not really taking a risk on the outside because he can't be reached. Whereas Andy Ruiz, though he does his best work on the inside, he also he has to take that risk because Anthony Joshua does good work on the inside as well. So you continue talking about him being in danger being the inside because of one punch, but you're not taking into account the plethora of the punches that the other guy throws on the inside. And again, that's why I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm not I'm not that, not taking that into consideration because I admitted you, you, that. But he, you keep on bringing that. You keep on bringing the same thing up. Because so if, if that's the case, if you understand it, well, yes, they're both at risk when they're on the inside. And that's why I said you're at risk the moment you step in the cage, in the in the ring or the cage or whatever you call it, squared circle, whatever. The moment you step in there, you're at risk. As a fighter, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about it, is as a fighter, I you understand the specific risks, but you also understand your style. And you sit there and you justify. You say, okay, this is my style. Yes, he has good. he's good in here. This is where he lands his best things, but that's where I land my best. So if he's in there, if he has the audacity to sit his ass in here and try to land that uppercut... I'm going to blast his ass with an overhand right. I'm not saying that that's not possible. It's very possible. This is this is boxing, and he does his best work on the inside. But 
fighting on the inside is a lot riskier than fighting on the outside. And we got in this topic speaking about taking risk. And I was saying, I don't agree with your assessment of Wilder because he doesn't have to take as many risks as other fighters do to land his best punch. Well, That's how we got here. We're definitely talking. No, we didn't get here by there. You, we got here because we were talking about this fight. And then I was talking about how the, you know, how Deontay Wilder puts a lot of into his punches. And then you started going about buddy. That's how we got here. You said he takes a lot of risk. And you, I said, I, 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 disag- I disagree. He doesn't have to take the same risk as someone like an Andy Ruiz because of his length and he's an outside fighter. And, and again, I, I disagree because I'm looking at the styles of fighters. Fighters take risks because, again, when we're looking at it, we're talking about how they're hitting people from the outside. They're doing certain things. People take, you know, it, it doesn't matter. I got to move on anyways. It's whatever. Look, agree to disagree. Um they're both at risk on the outside. Andy Ruiz is at more risk from the outside because that's not where his skill set is. Anthony Joshua is also more at risk on the inside because that's where Buddy lives. And Anthony Joshua has a skill set to sit on the outside because he has a phenomenal skill set from there. So I'm talking about who's taking the most risk in being whatever position. Anthony Joshua takes more risk going on the inside than Ruiz does. Now, Anthony Joshua could stay on the outside and keep him away from with a jab and jab his face off and then start landing his combinations in the way he does, the same way he did Povetkin and the same way that he was. And the thing is, when he actually hits people with that closer uppercut is because he's caught him with some other things. You said it yourself. He works them down, catches somebody with a jab, catches you with a right hand, and you end up falling into this damn shot. Look, man, again, we look at it differently. I'm looking at it in terms of X's and O's. I'm looking at it in terms of, look, if I'm a fighter, this guy has, this is my skill set. This is his skill set. I am at no more risk being here because the way I'm looking at it as a fighter is he's at more risk if he's here. He got one punch. I got six from here. If I'm on the outside, now, now I'm at risk because now I'm looking at it like I, I, I don't got no punches. He hit me with everything. Yeah. I, 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 he has his best chance on the inside, but his best chance also puts him at the highest risk. Okay. That, yeah, yes, you're right. You're not, but it's fine. Yeah, you're right. His, okay. Okay. I'm, his not, best I'm, chance doesn't, doesn't put him at the highest risk get knocked out. Like he can get knocked. He's more likely to highest, get knocked. I, I really believe his highest chance of getting knocked out is just getting blasted from the outside. And it'll be a nasty, devastating knockout. Because here's the thing. He's coming forward. You really believe Anthony Joshua's going to say, yeah, let's go out here and let me do what I have. I'm taking this fight on short notice. So I'm going to go out here and try to fight your fight. It's Man, not a typical no. short notice. It's not a typical short notice fight. Three weeks. It was, still. It, no, it was like it was like. It was, was like it five. Month, whatever. It was like okay. It was like five weeks, and Andy Ruiz just fought, so he was already in camp. He really never stopped training. Like fifteen weeks camp for him. Good for him. Still, what I'm more worried about Andy Ruiz is, is he burned out. That's what I'm worried about. If we're looking at that, because there is a definitely a such thing as overtraining, yeah, and peaking at the wrong. Because here's the thing: if he peaked like he might have peaked last week. That's what I'm worried about. If he's I, I went into camp for 15 weeks. That's ridiculous. I, I, he, I mean, he went into, he had a fight, so he was in camp and maybe got this fight within a week or two after his last no, fight. I, I like, I'd like it's to five think. Five days Fred, later, I'd like to think Freddie Roach knows a little bit more than that. Like he knows how to manage his fighters so they aren't getting burnt out, and he understands Damn, what to I, say. I have seen the best fighters in the world. It happens to all of them, man. I mean, every, Kovalev. Every, 
Kovalev is prime example for, for, for burning himself out. However, with the new trainer, he ha- he had to scale that back. Hey man, look, it, it it is he had to scale it back and whatever. Yes, but I, I don't know, man. It, it's when I look at it, when I'm looking at the S's nose, who should be favored to win? 100% Anthony Joshua should be favored to win this fight. Do I believe a my uh, minus 2100 favorite is ridiculous? Yes, it should be. Um, I don't see him finishing uh, Ruiz. Uh, if he win, I, I think he wins. I think he, he wins off a unanimous decision, um, which also, again, brings me to my next point. This is what I've been trying to bring up. AJ. Does he have to win in spectacular fashion? If you're not a hardcore boxing fan, then you're going to say, yes, he does. But this isn't the same fight, and AJ isn't the same fighter. What I would like to see is AJ show the world that, hey, this guy doesn't belong in the ring with me. That doesn't necessarily have to be in a Deontay Wilder first first knockout fashion, first round knockout fashion. But I do think that I, I do think that he he needs to show some type of dominance, or in the eyes of the general public, maybe not hardcore fans, but at least the general public, he will have lost some steam, especially in his U.S. debut. But I don't expect a first round Deontay Wilder style knockout. That's that's unrealistic, honestly. To, in terms of to, like to expect that. Oh, 100%. I agree with you, man. Um I I I he doesn't have to win like Deontay Wilder because he doesn't do the same thing. But I thoroughly believe he has to win spectacularly in terms of big KO, big um you know, different things like that, man. And I, I mean, I hear I hear what you're saying, and I totally agree. He's not the fighter that Deontay Wilder is. So while casuals may say, OK, well, Deontay Wilder just did this. If Anthony Joshua don't do the same thing, well, then Deontay Wilder has the edge. Like, I think that's very easy for casuals to say. But hardcore boxing fans, if, if he puts on a if Anthony Joshua just needs to put on a good performance, if he he probably he needs to knock him out. It doesn't have to be first round. Could be rounds eight or nine, but he needs to put on a solid performance. I will say that I think he doesn't need to put on a solid performance. But if it's not, if it's a let's say it's a back and forth fight, he gets wobbled and stuff like that. Yo, he he he, he might be just as like I I think he needs a, a pretty big win. I do. Um, I, I think just because if you don't get the American public to have your back. You can go ahead, go over there and win, but you know what, dude? Look, you make money here. Vegas, MSG, all these things, that's how you become a global superstar. AJ is great there. He is a huge star in the sport. But at the end of the day, if he goes out here and gets wobbled, he doesn't do it in a phenomenal fashion, he's going to take a hit. Now, should he? I, I don't know. Maybe, 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 maybe not. I don't think he should take a hit, you know, because of his reputation, because I think Andrew Ruiz is a badass fighter. And this is also the heavyweight division. It, so, exactly. I mean, someone getting wobbled doesn't mean that the other fighter was competing with you. I mean, it could just be a lucky lucky punch. These guys no, are 300 pounds. 100%. 100%. So, I mean, I mean, I'm... I mean I'm t- 
I'm totally with you on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that, that's how I look at that, man. So, but I think it really does um, need to. Um, he, I think he definitely needs to take a little bit, man. But check this out. Do you, now, um, hold on. Do, you, do you think there's pressure on him to do that? One hundred percent. And I and I think and that's why I'm worried about him. I'm worried about him for a number of reasons. I am worried about him because of the opponent change. I'm worried that he got a an opponent that is better than the opponent that he originally had. I'm worried about him being his first time fighting um, in the U.S. Um, I, not that he hasn't had big fights, he has, but it's a different monster fighting here. Um, I, I think he, you know, there's a. I think there's a lot of things that go into this that really make me worried for Anthony Joshua. The same way that I was worried for Deontay Wilder, because here's the thing. I want to see that fight. And if he loses anything, or either of them lose, dude, we, we're not going to see it. At least we're not going to see it when we want to. We're still going to see the fight. And I mean, when, when Pacquiao lost, I mean, we still saw the Pacquiao fight and there was still the same amount of steam by the time the fight came around. So, I mean, uh, you know, it, it'll feel like the end of the world if Anthony Joshua loses. But in all reality, that fight will happen, whether it's in 2020, 2021. Now, I think we're in a very, very risky place with Deontay Wilder's age, because um, listening to a podcast earlier this week, they made a great point that if they if Deontay Wilder's what, uh, 33 right now? Yep. Once we start, we, we start talking about next year. He could be thirty four. The like, fight gets pushed back to to twenty twenty one. I don't. No, I don't go for that. Could, Not he, for heavyweights. He, that listen, don't, that he, don't float for heavyweights. He could. He could be thirty five. And if he lose, if he loses that fight, people will then say it happened too late. I, at thirty five, you can say that. I look, man. Nah, not not with heavyweights. Uh, when I look at heavyweights, people I think already know heavyweights can fight long they have a longer uh shelf life power stays um especially the way especially the way a big part of his game as well he he still got big power power don't go anywhere um especially as a heavyweight he's so fast and explosive now even if he slows down a little bit he's still gonna be faster and more explosive than the rest of the heavyweights so that's why i like age to as a heavyweight that and again he's not gonna slow down 35 he can i mean it's not it's not unheard of I don't do for I expect a heavyweight, to know, for a, but it's for not. a heavyweight it's 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 not it's not probable. Let's just say that. Um, he's 6'7. That's a lot of wear and tear on his body. He's it, also like, only 225. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's not outside the realm of possibility that that fight happens when he's 35. Maybe he loses and people say, oh, the fight happened too late. And we're getting robbed of two fighters in their prime, which is what we need to be seeing right now. I feel you. No, I agree with that, man. Well, check it out. This is what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about this upcoming card. Um, and we're also going to go ahead and talk about the young king, Devin Haney, man. So we'll be right back. Remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meals and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 15% off of your first three months, man. Uh, Go ahead and check us out also on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast. Follow your host, your boy, myself at Serge Vicente. And also go ahead and check out the website, www www.thefightpodcast.com check us out interact with us and um, always support the show man thank you guys as always without further ado let's jump directly back into my conversation with the man the myth the legend brandon camille 
All right, back. man. We are back, back, B. Man, man, I was over here trying to hit you back a little quicker. As soon as I, as soon as I was about to leave, man, my uh, my girlfriend's actually, she's at a uh, Dodger Stadium right now, and she had to show me her seats, man. Incredible seats. Dodger Stadium looks beautiful right now. Yeah, man, nice and nice out there in LA, just living. Oh, dude, dude, I living. just got back when you weren't were you out in, there. I was about to say, weren't yeah. you out there recently, dude? When you were in Brazil, I was in LA. I mean, not necessarily the worst place to be. No, dude, it was better in Chicago. I, I can imagine. Yo, I, it, I, I, I was damn near in Chicago. All the Chicago guys I was with in Brazil. That's what's up, man. Good people, man. That's what I'm saying. You know, <laughs> Shot Town stand up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Yo, let's go ahead and jump back in the mix, man. Um, And look, man, this card that's going on this weekend, um, it's on the zone. Um, Yo, before I actually jump into the card, I I, I have to say something. Um, In terms of the zone. The we've been very high on the zone and their production value and everything like that. I thought they they dropped the ball with a fight with Canelo. The production value looked crappy. The walkouts were shitty. It it the the it it looked like it didn't look as good. It didn't look as crisp. Um, I hope, being that this is a fight with AJ, their their marquee guy, I hope they do a better job because um, they they didn't do well with numbers, especially here, and um, and right now, if we look at the numbers, and I gotta find them, I just had them pulled up. Um, yo, ESPN Plus is crushing them right now. But they also have that name recognition. They have the name recognition and UFC. But also, it's a far they. It's a it's a better platform. I, I could I could I could agree with you. Yeah, um, it's, it's a better. So I just hope they do a better job. I, I they got to pick it up. I just think the zone has a much better uh, value proposition than ESPN Plus. You know where I believe ESPN Plus messes up more than anything else is the double paywall. So you have to pay for the app, like a monthly cost, whatever it be, like 10 bucks or whatever, right? Five. But to And that's for ESPN Plus. But then you also have to pay for pay-per-view through the app. So you have a double paywall, and it's actually really, really hurting, um, hurting them in that capacity. I think it's a bad look, but... I mean, never mind. I, 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 let, let's go get into this one. I just hope a production value for this card is incredible because I really do like the zone. Especially when your main competition is not making you play for pay-per-view. Exactly. Yeah, that's so, not a I good mean, look. Yeah, they got to they do it. They got to they do better with that. If DAZN was char- charging, then it'd be a little bit different. But the fact that ESPN is and DAZN isn't... Makes um, a it, difference. It, it, does make, it does make a difference, but, at, you know... Because that's where they're doing the top rank uh, pay-per-views from now on also. Through the ESPN uh, Plus app, which I think uh, is also ridiculous. Yeah. I I think it is a bit ridiculous. Doesn't really affect me because I was paying anyway. I don't know if I'm going to pay for some of those pay-per-views that they're trying to sell me with Terrence Crawford and Amir Khan. But, I mean, DAZN just has a much better value proposition. And that's why I'm so, me personally, that's why I'm so high on them. I love this idea of doing away with pay-per-view. We as consumers have a lot more power in 2019, and DAZN is an example of that. So if we can support DAZN, I mean, DAZN supporting us. No, 100%. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I really do like DAZN. I mean, I like the programming that they have, um, even though sometimes it comes off as corny. But I'm a fan of the guy. I'm fan, I'm a fan of it. I just want to see him do better. Um, one thing I think they did a phenomenal job with is this card. 
this actually, and you brought it to my attention because I'm be honest with you, I really wasn't going to fuck with the car. I didn't care. You know what I'm saying? Um, but when you actually go through it, yo, five out of the six bouts on this card are for belts. You got the you got the fight with um, again the the co-main event Caleb Smith um, versus Hassan whoever the hell um, you got Katie Hassan, Hassan and Dom yeah him too um, you got Katie Taylor uh, who's fighting somebody Chris Algieri fighting Tommy Cole that should be a fun fight you got Josh Kelly fighting Ray Robinson not the real one um, so and then you got the other the the, the first fight in the card that's also for a belt. Which I think is great, um, and Katie Taylor's going going for uh, undisputed. Oh yes, yeah, no man, no dude. Katie Taylor's a badass man. So look, I, um, in looking at this card, man, in its totality, scale of one to ten, man, what do you give this card? In terms of boxing, just, just this, everything, this like, everything this, when you look at it, we look at like the, a, yeah, in terms of boxing. This is like a nine. Just okay, like, so. So this is what you give. You give this card a nine, yeah? Yeah. In, ter- okay. in terms of boxing, I'm not comparing it to UFC. I'm not, so I'm dude, I'm not bo- talking about MMA at all. Yeah, in terms of as, as it compares against other boxing cards, I mean, this could be a 10. I mean, when else are we going to get a card even close to this good throughout the year? Okay, so so if we're looking at it, okay, so no, that makes sense. I, no, I mean, 9, 10, dude, it's a stack card. It does, but here's the thing. I'm Your giving it a hard 7. Okay. So seven. It can't okay. be better than that. And the reason I say it is this. Yes, you have all the belts. Yes, for true and through boxing fans, right? Yo, this is a good card, man. You got some... I mean, dude, Chris Algieri is no punk. Katie Taylor is a star in the making. But when your co-main event is Caleb Smith, who is, again, he's he's a good fighter. Hassan and Dom, they're good fighters. But do they have name recognition? This to me, I can't say this is a ten. You can say it's a nine or whatever. Okay, skill wise, it's a good card skill wise. But at the end of the day, yeah, I can only give it a seven, man. There's no star power. You got we got star power in terms of Anthony Joshua, who brings in a lot, right? But when we're talking about we when we talk about numbers and we talk about certain things, we can't sit back and look at, you know. At, at hardcores because at the end of the day the hardcores aren't where people make money they don't make money off of us we go to bars we illegally stream shit we do all this other stuff let's be let's just keep it a buck hardcore nah. fans are not the reason that people make money casuals are so if I'm looking at this as a casual fan, the best I can do is give this card a seven because there's no star power aside from Anthony Joshua there's not I mean, how much star power are you going to get on a card in boxing? For one, and I mean, this is how you build stars in I boxing. Think I, mean, Showtime this... does a, I think Showtime does a great job of bringing more people with actual name recognition. I mean, Callum Smith is a pretty big star already. He has a belt. He's not a nobody. He I... has a belt. He's looking at super fights with Billy Joe Saunders let me, let me and Canelo, Canelo Alvarez. Again, as a hardcore bro, I'm with you. I'm right there. Yes, you're right. Name recognition. This fight is here at Madison Square Garden. We're trying to market this fight to the fans. Who the fuck is Caleb Smith? But, I mean, as a casual boxing fan, how you're never going to know the co-main event. I mean, or very rarely. But again, that's why it's only a seven. And, and again, and, and that, so here's the thing. If they go out there, they make, they, they make a card, right? 
and Showtime did it done it recently. You if you have cards, let's say you had like Heard versus Charlo, and then on the undercard you had the other Charlo versus somebody. And under that, you had, you know what I'm saying? Like, I have watched Showtime, especially when they're at the Barclays Center. Dude, they'll have Deontay. They had Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz on the same card. You had the Charlo twins. No, and they also had, no, was the Charlo twins on that card? That was the one before that. The first, like, they, it was one of the, um, the, one of the, the Deontay Wilder cards. It was Deontay Wilder, the co, the, the, the co-main was, um was like uh, one of the charlos the other charlo was on there too you know it's like dude like to me like those are all people with like but name did, the, recon- did did they have name recognition at that point i mean this, yeah. the charlos are still struggling for name recognition in terms of the general public and right. i mean you're, you're i think right. I, I think you make a good point in terms of but i mean a, a card that you didn't mention was a couple weeks ago the brazil card with gary russell in the undercard Is he, okay but so that's gary a better russell, but that's a better example gary that you're russell right struggles with name recognition as well but so no, like it, the co-main event it's hard to build build these cards and as far as boxing goes i mean i i think this is great i i okay so so my, my next question for you is this man and i'll be honest with you i i think boxing does need to do a far better job of doing that boxing should stack their cards and here's the thing stack it with all big names i i don't i don't see why they 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 refuse to do that stack a card Put names that we all know. DAZONE. Yes, I understand wanting to. I, they want to spread their pay-per-views. They want to spread their, their big events out, right? I don't want to bust it all in one shot. I get it. We want to make money throughout the year. Or, let's say this. DAZONE has been struggling, right? Struggling hard with um, uh, w- with uh, sales here in the States, right? They uh, Three people watched the, the, the Canelo fight and Two of them me, me and you. That's not true. They had good numbers for they, for they had the numbers that they released for the Canelo fight were a success according to everything that I've seen. So what was the what, what was it here in the U.S. at its peak? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember. We had those numbers at the time. I don't remember. I know there was a six hundred thousand number floating. I don't know if that was it ended uh, up being less at its peak. It hit four hundred thousand. At its peak here in the states now worldwide it might have been 600 you might be right actually now think about it it's 600 let me i I can just go through my notes i got my fucking my notebook right here but um so when we're looking at some people if we're looking at you know canelo alvarez canelo alvarez in the united states should do more than between four and six hundred thousand we we can both agree on that yeah absolutely okay so the zone they want to get more name recognition here in the states do a fucking card you throw all the big names on them you know throw your your aj's co-main event canelo or whoever flip it back and forth Nah, aj will be at, at the top billing he's a heavyweight you get canelo up under there fighting andraj let's say and having under there then you then you build the big ish names right then you under that you put devin haney under that you put um ryan garcia that's how you stack a card they're all here they're all different weight classes and again when do you do that you can sit there, you make, again, they, you can generate more, and then people will be excited to watch these cards. Nobody gives a damn about sitting here watching a, a fight card that we don't know anybody on the card. 
I, I disagree because when when you do a card like that, you also create a, a such a big lull until the next relevant fight. You have to be able to deliver content on a consistent basis, which and, and, is what and, and I think the zone is doing. I mean, they had they just had the Canelo Canelo fight. They had Haney last week, and which would have been Usyk, which would have been a better name. And now we have a pretty good card this so, week. But so, again, you had you have each one of these these cards right with one big name, one big name, one big name. Well, so Devin Haney, that was supposed to be more than one big name just due to injury. But the the way they created that card was Usyk, Takam, and Devin Haney. And again, if they did that, I'm saying that would have been phenomenal, and that's how they should do it consistently. This card, in my my opinion, doesn't have that. Because there's nobody on this card, aside from Anthony Joshua, that the casual fans want to see. Yeah, man, dude, dude, I'm balls deep in boxing. This is great. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of this card. But there's not a lot of names that casuals know in boxing to begin with. Well, get, get, then guess who got to do work? I mean, you could say the boxers, you could say the promoters, and it's probably a, a bit on it's, both of them. It, but it, how many both. how many notable names are in boxing? You have your, you know, your, your guys that are pound for pound. You know, you got your, your Lomas, your Crawford. So let me Nate. ask you this. Can you, do you believe you can stack a card with big names? So each, each of the, so the zone, let's say, has, we're talking about some of the pound for pound best. We're talking about top top 10 guys, right? Top, top 20 all around, right? They have at least of uh, the top 20 boxers in the world. How many of them would you say they'd have? I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that question. Um... I don't know. They have what? They, they probably have. have about half of them, fam. Let, let's Potent- be honest, potentially, especially now. Potentially. I mean, especially I, now. You got AJ, no. you got Canelo, we got Usyk, um, dude. Triple G. Triple G. Uh, Andraj is, Demetrius Andre is a, is a bad motherfucker. Um, dude, I can go down the list. And, um, okay, Devin Haney, Ryan Garcia. They, they're not top 20 pound for pounds, but they're names, right? They're, they're not names that people know. Maybe Ryan Garcia. Devin Haney's Ryan not Garcia, a name. Ryan Garcia knows. got 3 million followers. That yeah, motherfucker a, got a name. As a name, but not Devin Haney. Hey, it, how many does Devin Haney have? Probably around 500,000. That's, that's a, a guess. following, fam. That's a, a shot in the dark. But Let's find 500,000 doesn't, doesn't mean that casual, that casual boxing fans are going to know who you are. He doesn't even have a world title yet. He hasn't even fought for a world title yet. That's yeah, still pretty young in the game. It, bro. We know who he is. Shoot, they do that Shakur Stevenson. They got... Man, how do you spell Devin Haney's name? Who, who has Shakur Stevenson? Hold that's, on. That, that's top rank. You're right. I did mix that up. Yeah, Devin Haney yeah, has 362,000 followers. Hey, man. And again, 362,000 followers, especially in this era of social media... Yo, that's it's not a, good. Uh, yay. For somebody who's 20 years old, just making his name, especially in the combat sport, that means he has two more spectacular wins like he did last time. Yo, that what that means is that next thing you know, he, especially what he's doing, fucking with Black China, doing certain things like that, Devin Haney is on the verge of doing that. And again, that's why I think you put him on these type of cards. You don't well, make Devin- him the co-made. Like I said, they did it, they did it the right way with the Usyk fight. They did it like that perfectly. I mean, that's what I'm saying. DAZN has enough guys to do a big fight card like that quarterly. They, think about it. You always said it yourself. These big names are only going to fight twice a year. Canelo fights twice. AJ fights twice. Triple G fights one and a half times. I mean, all these guys fight twice, right? Yeah. So if I have at least 10 of them, fam, 
that's I can put three th- again four huge events on, and then all the other ones. Devin Haney's gonna fight more than that. He's gonna fight three to four times, probably four times. Right? I think on a pl- I think on a platform like the Zone, it may be a little bit more important to deliver consistently as opposed to stacking these big cards and having such long lulls. Maybe if you want to say an ESPN, it may be a, b- a bit more important for them to stack a card. But for DAZN, you want to have consistent content so you can consistently be building your subscriber but again, base. But how is that not consistent? Ah, okay, I, I, so, I, like, I get your point. They no, can no, boom I get once your point. Maybe they'll start doing that more so in the future when they, be, you know, gain a larger presence. But I think in general, that's something that boxing has never done a good job with. And, and at the same time, like I said, a lot of top level boxers don't have that name recognition. So with that being with that in mind, I think we need to give the zone credit where credit is due. They put together and you said it. Um, it's not like you're not giving them credit, but they put together an amazing car for this weekend. Callum Smith. He's a, a great he's a, card. He's, he's a, a solid really, dude. But again, I'm going to say it just like this. He doesn't do it for me. He's not. He's not. And again, and that's why I'm looking at it. That's why I looked at this card. I'm like, he's good. He's solid. He knocked out George Groves. That's great. He's solid. Like I said, he's good. I like Callum Smith. He's solid. I don't care about Callum Smith like that. He doesn't. There's nothing about him that I get an emotional investment about when I watch him fight. Now, if he fights Billy Joe Saunders, okay, well, then I'm going to watch. Now I'm interested. But he why didn't you care about partner. him when he fought George Groves? Why didn't I? Yeah, that was the that was the end of a of a tournament where he went through the toughest competition the division had to offer and Fort George and Groves a, in the finals I'm of that tournament. I'm gonna be honest with you because I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know none of these motherfucking Slavic fighters from Ukraine and stuff like that because they don't advertise them here. And at the end of the day, I don't really love their fighting style. Oh, well, how do you get you? How do you get your name out? You fight in the U.S. on a card like this. No, I understand that. I'm t- I'm not talking about Nick. I'm talking about me. I said me. He don't do it for me. Personally, yet. yet. No, no I've, I've watched him fight. I think he's phenomenal. I, I just thought does doesn't do it for me. He's 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 like I said, he's solid. He's great. Is he gonna be a superstar ever? No. He's good. He's so good. George Groves is a beast. But again, like I said, his style doesn't do it for. There's nothing about his style that brings a spark to me that I'm excited about watching. It's not. His name doesn't see. I see his name and I'm like, oh. He's good, but I don't go, ooh, I got to watch that fight. He doesn't do it for me. You know, he TKO'd Rocky Fielding and won? I didn't realize that. Don't give a shit. That's great. That's phenomenal. Again, that's what I'm saying. They don't do a great job of marketing these 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 European fighters. And I, and I hate to say it, especially that weight class. We, we've talked about it on here, how that weight class is unentertaining half the time. Well, we've also sp- spoke, uh, spoken about it we getting more talent. Good. They, we said they have talent, but at the same time, we both said, like, eh, I, if I'm skipping a weight class, I can skip that weight class. I don't care. I'm not going to watch it. Well, not, not anymore. Well, now, now, now you got Billy Joe Saunders there and stuff. And again, that's what I'm saying. Billy Joe Saunders has something. To me, he's interesting to watch. His he's style in- is interesting to watch. His talk game is interesting to listen to. I like Billy Joe Saunders. He has a spark that Callum Smith does not. That's well, what I'm Billy saying. Joe, would you say that? Would you say that same thing about Billy Joe Saunders if he didn't have the mouthpiece that he did? I've been saying this about Billy. Billy Joe Saunders can fight, yo. 
I agree that he with has, you that he can he fight. He has power. He has. He's. He do. He's a a, a a savant in there, bro. Like I, 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 I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't say that he has him like in there. I wouldn't like, say he has, has the most power in the world, but he's beautiful to watch. Move. Never said that. I said he has power. Come on, man. Yeah, I, I I agree. Yeah, he he has some power, but I mean, it's beautiful to watch him move. It is. Yeah, I, so I, I, I totally agree. He with has you. a spark. He has something. You know what I'm saying? Calvin Smith does not. And no knock on Calvin Smith, but he doesn't. I go down the list. Chris Algieri, you, he's good. He's, he's very good. But it, 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 there you go. He's a better nutritionist than chef now. Let's be honest. He's yeah, great. More, more Probably money. the best in boxing. Yo, boxers, you need to hire Chris Algieri. He is a beast. Look what he did with Danny Jacobs. Amazing. I don't, he, I don't think he's working with Danny Jacobs anymore, though, now that he's fight. active again. He worked with his last fight, he did. Uh, against Canelo? Yep. Oh, okay. I, I didn't watch 40 Days. Yep. So, again, Chris Algieri, bad motherfucker. Like I, but, but, again, does he have something? I was never really interested in watching him fight. He's good. But he, he didn't have a spark. I could keep going down the list. Josh Kelly, who cares? Josh now, Kelly's on this you, card? Yep. Really? Yeah, he, he's he's uh, the fight before uh, Chris Algieri. He's fighting Ray Robinson. That should be a fun fight. Again, Josh that, Kelly's good. He has a spark. He has you a can, spark. I'm not okay, going to take okay, that away from okay, him. Okay, okay. Josh Kelly has a spark. And so does Katie Taylor. Those have, They have sparks, right? That's a lot on the card. I'm, I'm not... I did, what, what you're right, you're saying? right, you're right, you're right, you're right. But again, the only reason this site can be a seven is because, again, there's no star power. There's nothing that, again, j- give them something else. That just not discard them because, like I said, this is a very solid card. But when I'm looking at it in terms of, dude, I, I want to make sure I'm trying to grow the sport. I'm trying to get people to eyeballs. I'm trying to make money. This isn't doing it. But I mean, this is how you build stars. So maybe, is maybe it, right is now, it, maybe, when maybe, have they built that? Well, maybe Dazone hasn't been, been around that long. So they're trying to build the stars that they have. So they they did Devin Haney, which should have been Usyk last week. They're doing Anthony Joshua this week, and in a couple of weeks they have Triple G, and they're not that far removed from Canelo. So they're right now. They're I'd say they're consistently putting out content, and this is I, still a pretty good card. It, it, I, this card is a phenomenal card, bro. So how else do you build? How else do you build fighters I'm by putting talking, them on? I'm not talking about this card in particular. And that's what I continue saying. It's not about this card is great. They need to stack more cards consistently. I only give this card a seven because there's no name recognition. But guess what? If they continue doing to your point, you're right. If they continue putting cards on like this, then more people will start knowing these names also. So yes, they're starting to do it. They need to do it more consistently. Because at the end of the day, I don't know. And nobody is invested in any of these fighters. If you're a casual fan, there's nothing. And here's the thing. Here's another thing too. That whole, uh, what's it called? The 40 days and shit like that. The zone. Do a thing for the, the, the for the co-main event also. Do things for every. Make me want to watch everybody. There's no reason why there wasn't a special about Katie Taylor. That we that it wasn't on ESPN us checking uh, checking out. There's no reason why they were didn't have these people all up and down. All it was was about one person, and that is my issue with boxing promotion. And that's what I'm saying. Even if they do stack cards like this, nobody cares because they don't promote it. They promote the big name and they don't tell stories. They need to go out there and tell stories. 
get me excited about these people. Do you want to know how you build names? That's how. You tell stories about these people. You give me their background. You, I want to be invested. I want to feel something. I don't have that. The fact that um, Katie Taylor, dude, that's an, she has an amazing story. She's badass. She's undefeated. She's about to be like you know unified champion. Why doesn't anybody else know this? That's what I'm saying. They're doing a shitty job, even with this stack card. They're not telling stories. And again, that's why I can only give them a seven. But you can only give it a give it a seven. I mean, th- I think that's a bit harsh. I mean, when we say we're not comparing this to MMA, we're only comparing I'm not this comparing to comparing it to MMA. I mean, listen, I'm saying we're, we're, they we're only make comparing stories. We're only comparing this to other boxing cards. I mean, w- this is a lot for a boxing card. Okay, so if, in comparison to another boxing card, right? Other, to other other boxing fire cards. Boxing, yes. So let's, I'm let's saying so this year. Let me get my point. So what I was going because you're you're taking it on a different path that I'm not talking about in terms of boxing card and compared to other boxing cards, probably right eight or nine, easy, easy, and compared to other boxing cards. But I'm saying. Grand scheme of things, all things considered, what is this card? I can't give it more than seven because they didn't invest in anybody else. I hear you, and I and I think that's something that boxing overall can do some can do a better job at. I don't think it's a disown thing. I, I'm Nick. I didn't say that. I never said that. I never said anything. My beef was never with disown. I said the card in itself, and this card, and then I started talking about boxing. Okay, I, I I missed the tra- transition there. If you're if you're speaking about boxing, yeah, I mean we've spoken about this before that boxing can do a can do a better job of this. But I think if you're wanting to see boxing do a better job of this, that this card is a really good step in the right direction. Now you make a good point that maybe they could have done a little bit more in building some of the undercard fighters. I I've seen Josh Kelly fight before. He has a style that's catchy. I mean, I didn't even know he was fighting on this card. Do you so, and th- that's why it can only be a seven. Because, again, somebody as phenomenal as Josh Kelly, you and your balls deep in this shit. You didn't know he was on this card. I mean, Josh Kelly's still pretty young, but you, yes, you, I agree. I agree. I, I should have known that he was fighting on this card. I had no idea. All right, man. So, again, again that, that, that is my issue with not only this card in particular and DAZN, what I've seen DAZN do in the past, is boxing in general. They will pub one fight. And not give us anything for anybody else. Dog, tell me about these people. Get me excited. I want to be excited about these fighters. I want everybody else to feel about combat sports the way I do. Because I know this is the best sport. These are the best sports in the world. But we don't know this and we can't invest in athletes. Fam, why is NBA the biggest sport in the world, man? In, in the States. Because I can look at those niggas and I see them directly in their face. I know who they are and we can follow them and we see the we see everything. I look on TV and I see everything. I, I Documentaries, all kinds of shit, right? But they're on TV so often. You have boxers that fight, you know, the average fighter, maybe you say he fights once a quarter. They don't, I mean, the NBA, they're playing every couple nights. Okay, so... True. But if you're looking at it like this, you can still push a narrative. I don't got to I you I I can you they can have these guys on Max Max Kellerman has a boxing show that they put on 
like at eight o'clock on like a Friday night that nobody's watching. Yeah, they fuck him over. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I like Max. And it's every other every other week at that, which is ridiculous. But dude, have these guys coming on hosting shows. Have them talking about things. You create a narrative. Boxing does an uh, awful job of creating a narrative unless you are the big guy. You're the big name. And here's the thing. That's not just on the promotion itself. Boxers. You boxers. You fighters. This is your job. All of us have a cell phone. All of us have this. And here's the thing. I'm going to be honest with you. I do a shitty job of self-promotion. As a boxer, that is your job. You don't make damn the promotion. The promotion ain't... They're not paying your bills, yo. You need to make that happen. Tell these people stories, yo. Like, that's that's my thing. They're not telling anyone's stories. And if they're not telling these people stories, no one's going to care. That's the issue. With just the promotion of boxing in general. Oscar De La Hoya treated his Golden Boy MMA test the exact same way that he treats boxing. And the way he did it was he knew the main event, Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell, and the other guys on the card said it so many times. He even had a press conference where he was like, yo, what's your name again? Disrespectful asshole. Like, are you crazy? And that's how he also treats his fighters on boxing. That's how he treats his promotion, and that's how boxing promoters treat. You're cool, but I don't, I'm not invested in you, dog. That's why... MMA, I hate to say it like this, and I can take, I ride on it. They have the older generation rides with boxing. This new generation rides with MMA because MMA, you can invest in stories, and we see these people and we create a narrative. A far better job than boxing. And I don't get it twisted. I shit on MMA and the way they do things a lot. And I'm sure you've heard me on, on the show saying it myself. So not like MMA does it perfect because they do not. And I think what they're currently doing with a double paywall and what the UFC is doing with ESPN is abhorrent. It's terrible how they're dealing with fighters because now the, it's not about the fighters anymore. And I have problems with that my damn self. But boxing does a far worse job than MMA could ever do with it, and I'm beyond. And that, and again, that is my beef. That's why I can only give this card um, a, a seven, even though boxer as a boxer as a boxing fan is a hardcore. Oh, this is eight or nine, nine, nine all, all day. It's, it's great, really, great it's really card. great matchups. Everything. It's really difficult for me to say either or because I don't know a lot of people um, that are MMA fans like you are. Like they're just not in my circle. Not saying they don't exist. They're just not in my circle. So people who are invested in MMA to the point where they are invested in some of the fighters that are not on the main or co-main events, I don't see that often. And it, it, it's the same for boxing. You just have to be vested. Like Jamal Herring, well, uh, Jamel Herring won a world title this past week, and he had a great story. I mean, you pro- maybe you heard about it, maybe you didn't, but I mean, like. You have to be in it to know some of this stuff. And the deeper you go down on the card, you're just not going to have that. Callum Smith just went through a whole world tournament. Now, I think they could have done a a better job promoting him for this fight. I think you think you have a great point. But I don't know how much of a better job MMA does because I don't know as many people in that community. Um, I'll be the first to tell you, they do a far better job. It's not even close. It's night and day. Night and day. I'm just as invested in both sports. It's night and day. You're way more invested in MMA. You say that because you're a boxing guy and I shit on things. No, I'm not. 
No, I, I say that because, I mean, I don't know many people that are as deep into into all of the different mixed martial arts organization as you are. Yeah, it's just a lot, man. It's just, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're watching one championship at one in the morning. I don't consider that average. I'm, I'm a weird guy, man. I'm not it's saying I, no, no, it's not weird. <laughs> that, that, that's what you're into. I just don't expect that from other MMA fans consistently. Like how many MMA I'm not, fans? I'm, 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 I'm a hardcore fan. I'm a and, hardcore and, MMA fan and I'm a hardcore boxing fan. And that's fine. And, and, and I agree. How many other people do you have that you can speak hardcore MMA with that are like, I know you, I know you speak to people at the gym, but like those are hardcores. Like you don't have a lot of people that are even close to where you're at. To say that the that the UFC has done such an amazing amazing job at building some of these lower level fighters that are coming up. Now, I I, I can't say they necessarily haven't because they did a great job with Israel Adesanya. He's only been in the UFC a year, but I mean boxers come up all the time. Like they can come up, they get they get a knockout, they're the guy. I you know what man, and I okay, so I'm gonna say this, and I always laugh. It's amazing. The beef that boxing fans have with MMA, and it always circles back around to how y'all hating on the damn sport. It's so funny, fam. And you know who recently did this, and it really drove me crazy was uh, Paula Malinaji. Yo, man, people could like both the sports, man. It, it doesn't like, like I, I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm not saying you know any of that. You know, I, I'm I'm looking at it objectively and I'm saying what sport has done a better job in promotion. And we can't even it look at how, for instance, MMA and the UFC has grown. This sport started in 93, yo. The fact that it is where it is is an organization that sold for over five billion dollars and shit like that, and it continues growing and, and it's big in Asia, it's big everywhere else. Yo, man, it's like that sport has the promotion has been better because if we look at the last twenty years, that sport has grown. Now the pay scale is different, the paywall is different, so boxers do tend to get paid more. That doesn't mean they're making like the the sport is promoted any better. That just means the upper echelon dudes are getting broke off. Because of the pay-per-view system, because of the paywall, because of how the sport itself is set up. I don't personally have any beef with uh, MMA. I, you were just comparing the two. And as someone who's probably a, much more of a casual on the MMA side, I was just making an observation. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm all here for a good MMA fight. I'm just not as big a fan as someone like yourself. No beef at all, though. No, no beef at all. I like to see a good fucking fight. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say this, man. I, I, I do... I have issues with boxing fans and I have issues with MMA fans also who shit on boxing. I think it's ridiculous. Paul Malinaji just went on there when he's doing all this press press for uh bare knuckle fighting and shit like that. And he was saying how essentially he's calling MMA fans barbaric and they don't know shit about fighting and all this other nonsense and I got to show him because you know look bro Paulie Malinaji, you are a you are phenomenal in the ring. Two-time champion, you know, in one of the best divisions. If you look at Paulie Malinaji's resume, dude, he fought anybody and everybody. Not knocking him at all. But for him to sit there and say and try to take away anything from MMA and th- say the fans are this and the fans are that and things like that, yo, shut up, yo. You now you come off as a hater. And I see more boxing haters than I see about MMA. Dude, I had this conversation with Ak from Ak and Barak when he was on the show. Because he, he does it. And I called him out on it. 
And he was like, well, you know, MMA fans do it too. I'm like, yeah, but you understand the sport, so why do you do it? Doesn't make sense. And he was like, well, essentially he said that he's just reciprocating the MMA heat that he gets. So he's bouncing back. Well, fuck y'all. You know what I'm saying? That's trash, yo. I think both sports are beautiful. I think they're the two best sports in the world. I think they're they're different. They're very different. And it do this compare apples and oranges. I like them both. Depends on the time of day. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I can come on here and have a good debate with you, but I mean, you, like I said, no, no gripe with either one. Um, I, I kind of look at it as a similar situation with rap, where you have conscious and trap rappers. I think they can live in the same world. There doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah, man, I don't know about all that. See, uh, see? see, I mean, <laughs> no, look, man, hey, look, Autumn Littles. There's a place for all the little fucks. It's great. I'm glad there's music for the little fucks. And they can do their thing. Look, it's great. It's not for me. Like I, I was, um, I, I was working with this kid, uh, young young dude. I, I play. I was playing Wu Tang. He was like, "Yo, you don't get that old wash shit out of here." I was like, "Ah, oh, <laughs> my heart." <laughs> Yo, and, and again, it goes to the same thing. I told him the same thing. Yo, man, I don't like all your guys' music because at the end of the day. I can't understand it. You guys are from different generations. You and I grew up with drug dealer rap. They're growing up with drug user rap. It's very different. You know what I'm saying? I, I enjoy both sides. But here's the thing. I There's a time for me. I can. There's a time and a place for both. I can't listen to the little fucks. I can't. Because even though I appreciate what they do because they're the voice of the youth and that is important. Do that. Do your thing. But it's not for me. So I, I, you're right. Do your thing over there. I'm gonna listen to grown hip hop. But see, like you're calling them little fucks. That's just like a boxing fan or an MMA fan speaking down to the other side when you're making I'm an calling, argument against I, that. I'm not calling them little fucks because I just don't know their name individually. There's too, way too many of them, and they're all little something. Little fucks. Little fuck, I mean, little like this, little that, little him, I, little her. I, I get the, I get, I get what you're trying to get I, at. I'm but trying I mean, to wrap them all in one nice bow. You're so still the speaking. Fucks is good. You're still speaking down on that. Hey man, I, I I like all the babies. The baby and baby, whatever them names are, I like them dudes. <laughs> I, I, them I hear, fun. I hear. I like Twenty One Savage. I vibe to Twenty One Savage. I hear you. All, all I'm saying is, just like I think they can survive in the same universe, it doesn't have to <laughs> be either or. Dude can flow. Look at you. Give me one more. I don't got none. Come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you was on a roll I, I, was, I, I was gonna cut you off let you get away um, I mean dude, the, the other ones Megan Thee Stallion she's another one she can she can flow though look she can, I, rap, she can rap her ass off I'm not but can, I, don't get it twisted I'm not sitting here vibing to the city girls I, I'm not <laughs> but they can even maybe you don't listen to it maybe you do they can live in the same world. It doesn't have 100%. to be like I, I don't I don't like them. And yeah. it's the same thing that I'm saying with M with MMA and boxing fans. It doesn't have to be one side throw, looking to throw shade at the other side. That hey, if, like if, if the right. if the if the UFC does something really well that boxing can adopt, then maybe they Call should. It MMA, goddammit. it. Well, I'm specifically speaking about the UFC though. Okay. But we're talking about boxing. Think, think about what it is. Because the UFC I, I, is the I one. Just, I just want 
for our listeners, right? Especially the individuals who are not as abreast with the sport still. Again, because it's more so a boxing episode. So what I want to make sure people do is understand the difference between the UFC and MMA as a whole. The UFC is an organization like the NFL is. It's and you, you, you've got me right on that. And I've said MMA plenty of times throughout this episode. No, you, you, I'm, have, you have. I, I'm just saying, let's make sure we, we do that even if we are. And if we are, let's specify, yo, we're talking about the UFC specifically. You know what I'm saying? Because it, cause I, y- you understand nuance. Unfortunately, a lot of people do not. Well, you've got me right on nuance. I, I, I won't necessarily I, I say I came on the show, you know, super tight on, on, on those on that distinction. I under I understood it, but I mean, it took a few times, a few yeah. angry faces on the other side of Skype for me to make sure I, I stopped making that mistake. Yo, well, and again, for those of us who don't know or don't understand, it, it, it's it's disrespectful. It's disrespectful to the sports, disrespectful to the athletes and all the other organizations because. The UFC, yes, it's the biggest organization, but they don't. I mean, dude, there there's killers all over the place. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. But yeah. in, in in this particular topic, I mean, it's the UFC who's done a pretty good job oh, of building some of those lower level fighters. You're right. With, You're right. With yeah, the they, stories. Yeah, it's yeah. not one championship. It's UFC. No, 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 not one. No, one, not, dude. One. They could, they could be coming up in the future, but in terms of like the proven no. track record. No, no, no. Here, yes. UFC don't float out there in Asia like one does. One may, one is worth more money than the UFC is. One is a bigger organization. We just don't know as much about it. We're just getting because they're just getting here. They do a great job with it. They're amazing. And something that they do, unlike anybody else, is they give away all their content for free. Right after it airs. Dude, they got it figured out. One is shitting on everybody. MMA is also a big, bigger sport over there. MMA and kickboxing are bigger sports over there. So there's a bigger market that they're dealing with. I, I, I think the UFC, well, I'm, and I'm not trying, this is not me trying to put one side down. I'm saying that the UFC has done a great job building I, some of their fighters up here. I, I, I agree with you. I was just saying, like, when you said one, I'm like, yo, no, like, MMA as a whole, the PFL. They tell stories, bro. Every on these organizations, man, they tell stories because, and this is why they tell stories, because they're selling the brand, they're selling the shield. So we want you to look at everybody. We want you to invest in the entire show, and that's why I'm saying they do a better job of telling all the stories. All MMA does. All of MMA, all the organizations do a far better job than all of boxing does. I, I don't watch enough of MMA outside of some of the bigger cards on the UFC side to say that they do or don't. Um, so I, I guess you're I, just going to have to take I, I my word of, for it. I get a lot of my knowledge from, from you, specifically. Exactly. So you're just going to take my word for that one, and we're going to keep it moving to the next one. So, real quick, because we've been talking about all kinds of stuff today, which I always appreciate. Um, low ramble, low ramble. <laughs> oh, man, yo, I love talking about hip-hop. I talk about hip-hop all day. Oh, real quick, little little plug, man, for those of us who didn't know, and I, and I didn't speak about it last week because there was no fights and anything else and then we were all out of town um i actually um am a i'm going to be a consistent guest on the ben jaworski show which is a big essentially political podcast here in chicago chicago sun times chicago reader which are two of the biggest uh magazines and newspapers um they shot me a line i go on there and i talk about fights and i talk about politics so uh 
yeah, man, check us out. Ben Jaworski show. I come on at least once or twice a month. So it's pretty cool. And I was also breaking down Deontay Wilder on the um, No Catch Up Chicago, which is a Chicago sports podcast as well. So check those out if you guys get an opportunity. Plug, plug, plug. Check them, check them out. I didn't, I didn't even know about some of those. Yeah, man. No, dude. I'm, a, I'm, I'm now. I'm officially a political commentator. Ouch, yeah. yeah That's man. lit. Oh, dude, add, I love add, politics. Add, I'm balls deep in politics. Yo, I'm li- like price went up. Price went up, fam. Yo, the, the same way I'm out here talking about MMA and boxing and shit like that. As passionate as hot as I get, I I talk exactly the same about politics. Yeah, I'm not there, G. Dog, I'm all I'm all into that shit. Well, look, man, the reason that I truly got into politics is as deep as I did. I don't anybody who listens to the show, fam. It's not a secret. I'm extremely progressive. FDT. Shout out to Nipsey and YG. I'm leave it at that. I when that dude won, I felt bad. Even though I I voted and I've never missed a vote since I was able to at 18 years old. I felt bad because I didn't know enough. And I was like, yo, so much stuff got by me. I refuse to let that happen again. And ever since then, I've been paying, I've been all into it, man. So that's kind of how I got into politics as deep as I did. And that's pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Fam. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, so quick talking about it. Like, I mean, that's a quick turnaround to be to be on podcasts where people respect you to you know to that extent, dude. After look, I'm be honest with you, I didn't even think they were gonna have me back. As soon as I got done, they're like, "Yo, you really noticed?" I'm like, "Yeah, I like it." You know, I pay attention to shit. They're like, "Yo, do you mind coming on every day, fam?" I was out there breaking down politicians and comparing them to fighters and seeing how different politicians and how politicians should shit talk like Republicans and shit. Like I was doing the whole thing like about like everything from trash talk to like comparison how like organ like it's it's pretty cool. I'll, I'll take I'll take a listen. Send, uh, send me I, a link. I'll yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm actually I mean, you know for, I love support. I appreciate you, man. Um, for all of us listening, it'll be actually on uh, the Fight Podcast Facebook page um, by the end of the, uh, if not tonight, tomorrow. So you check those out there. Um, all right, got to get into it. We don't got that much time left. Uh, we've been we getting at it after today. Yesterday. Deontay Wilder confirmed he and Luis Ortiz will be fighting once again. Um, remember, Deontay Wilder, 40-0. He got uh, one draw, 40 KOs. He's going to fight Luis Ortiz, man. And look, between me and you, yeah, I, I think this is a bad idea. I, I really felt like I didn't see the purpose of going back and having to fight somebody as dangerous as Luis Ortiz. Do I feel like Wilder's going to win? Yeah, I got it. I, I, I ride with my mans. But at the end of the day, this is a dangerous fight. This is a high-risk, little-reward fight for Deontay Wilder. I don't think he needed to go back and do this. And um, There wasn't a lot of demand there for it. And then they're going to go back no and put it on pay-per-view. There was no demand. Nobody I cared. I would have rather just seen him take the Kanaki fight. I mean, I, I, there just wasn't a demand for it. Do you and, like? Why do you think he took this fight? Because he says he must write all of his controversial opponents. According to him, there I is have no, no idea why, when you why knock he, dude out. I have no idea why he took this fight. This I mean, is there a wasn't bad fight. He's fighting the boogeyman of the fucking division for no reason. But is I, he, is I, he I the boogeyman at this point? And I'm glad you said that. He did, he, did, he ducked that Anthony that. Joshua fight because he probably he wasn't did not off duck that cycle. fight. He did Maybe not duck that off, fight. Wasn't wasn't and off. It was steroid not on cycle. him, and we're not going to put. We're not going to say that. We Maybe know it wasn't him. Maybe it wasn't off a steroid cycle. 
All right. Let, hey, let, he, okay, he, he, has he has he not been popped twice? Did he pop his last four fights? Come on, no, man. Can people been, grow? Can he can people adapt? Can people change? He's been popped twice and he just turned down the biggest payday. He uh, didn't turn it down. Life. His promoter was trying to play a game. He's tra- his promoter was trying to play a game of chicken and lost, fam. That's not on him because afterwards, and Anthony Joshua just said that today or yesterday. He was like, man, he tried to come back and get the fight, but it was too by, by that point in time, we were pissed off at his fucking promoter. We decided to move on. Anthony Joshua and his promoters have both said that was not Luis Ortiz. They're like, his promoter fucked. That's not on dude. His promoter fucked up. So come on, man. Let's not sit here and just throw, say, dudes on steroids because of whatever when he hasn't done it, popped in a couple years. I'm not going to do that. Now, He's what? popped twice, though. It's not like he's popped once. He's popped twice. I don't give a damn, bro. You don't care that a fighter's popped twice since when? Do you dude, not care not, about not, fighters? Not, I, dude, because it's because it because it happened, and I and I forgave him, and that's whatever's done. And he's been clean for the past like three years. Three you years can, is not a long time. Canelo Alvarez, you are such a fan of Canelo Alvarez. Will you still ride his nuts? And this motherfucker definitely just popped. Yeah. He did, but he didn't turn down a turn down a he the biggest payday of his career. Down. His promoter did, and we both know. And you're somebody who just said you just were talking about how AJ. Oh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't Anthony. Jo- it was his promotion, and now this and that. It, come I mean, on, it's, fam. It, it's, it seemed like it. It just doesn't doesn't look good. Yes, the story is that it was the, it was their promoter. So, so let's, like let's X Y X Y X Y Z. All right, let's leave let's leave it at that. Fair. Cook, let's leave yeah, it at that. That's ridiculous. Um. G- this fight is stupid. He shouldn't take this fight. It doesn't make any sense. It no one cares. No one to see it. And now you're fighting the one of the the hardest matches in the division. He doesn't fight well against Southpaws, and he's fighting the best Southpaw. It's a All, dumb matchup. Also, but, because of the lack of demand, I think he risked doing a bad pay per view and giving Anthony Joshua more steam in negotiations. It's not. I, I, it's going to be a Showtime fight. I don't see it being a pay per view. I, I, I don't think? know. We'll see. I don't Maybe. know. I, well, I don't and know. here's the thing. I will say this, and this is the only thing that I can think of the Anthony Joshua or Deontay Wilder's team saw. Luis <laughs> Ortiz has fought three times since his last fight with Deontay, his fight with Deontay Wilder. He has two knockouts and one unanimous decision. The unanimous decision was in his last bout. It wasn't very impressive. It wasn't. He, he he looked like him. So maybe, and we don't know. Luis Ortiz is every bit of 73 years old. That motherfucker, we don't know how old he is. We don't. He's yeah. over 40. And well, you remember when I was talking about Deontay Wilder being 33, 34? Like, I don't care. Like, what are, you ta- what are we talking about? I don't care with 33, 34, 35, 36 even. 42? Bro, Father Time going to get you. I think they see something in in Luis Ortiz's last fight that Deontay Wilder was sitting cage side for. They think they saw something. They want to go out there, get another spectacular win. And he can actually say now, if he does go out there and get a spectacular win, which I believe he will, because Deontay Wilder surprisingly does extremely well with rematches. And that that Ortiz fight, um, I think I think it was it was done already before the fight. That's why he was there, and that's I another theory for why he may have turned down that that uh, Joshua ah, fight is because so he, had already, he, had, he, had, he had already he had already I said another theory. I really don't know what happened, but it's one of the theories out there is that he had already pre negotiated with Wilder. So I mean, it really the Joshua opportunity was never really there for him. Mm, okay, I feel you. Well, check it out. 
Um, I think we both agree. Does it make sense? No. Okay. Because win or lose, his profile doesn't raise. Oh, his profile. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, sure. if he wins, his profile doesn't raise. If he loses, he he gets dragged. Well, I mean, spectacular knockout. I mean, does something for him. And that's what I'm saying. Like I, I see him get, I see him getting that in like the first five rounds. Hmm, I mean, I, I, I do, but I mean, I, I'll see how I feel close, closer to the fight. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen anything any more impressive from Luis Ortiz. Uh, Deontay Wilder con- Luis continues. Ortiz has been like decreasing since then. I mean, he hasn't fought anybody, so we don't know. Just like you talk about Triple G in this fight, uh, upcoming fight, we won't know anything from this fight. We don't know anything from uh, Ortiz's last couple opponents. Now, one thing uh, I was listening to a podcast a bit earlier this week, and they were saying Wilder does do some things in terms of adjustments throughout a, throughout a fight, and in rematches he has done better. So one of the things that they mentioned were the the knockdown in the ninth round, like the knockdowns in the in the Fury fight, where Wilder didn't do adjustments. Any- People don't talk about his. Re- he has ring IQ, man. People try to shit on him. He didn't do anything for the first eight rounds. And then, OK, two knockdowns in three rounds, one being a devastating, devastating right hand that was placed perfectly because I believe Fury, uh, uh, Fury ducked for that. But he did. Now, now he now after 11 rounds of fighting, Deontay Wilder knew where he was going to be. And he put the punch there and it landed perfectly. So in the last three rounds, you get two knockdowns. Deontay Wilder has shown some boxing IQ and the ability to adjust. Um, So we'll see. And I think that will bode well for him against a fighter like Luis Ortiz, who, whether we realize it or not, has probably, whether it's an inch or second, I mean, he has to have slowed down a little bit just at his age. I agree. I thoroughly agree. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I think that's why they took the fight. But we'll see. that's Deontay Wilder is still his only loss. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. I, I I I would not be surprised to see a first five round um, within a knockout within the first five rounds for Deontay Wilder. But it's just too risky of a fight to be taking at this point. Yeah, true, man. Well, here's the thing. Um, moving on, um, and this is what we're gonna finish up with today. And you and I both are extremely high on this guy. Um, somebody who doesn't have any losses. Um, obviously, I am talking about the lightweight monster, um, Devin Haney, man. Um, Devin Haney, 22-0, 14 knockouts. Um, I know you want to talk about this. I want to talk about this as well. He had a fight last weekend um, against uh, on the zone against uh, Antonio Moran. And one of the couple things that I saw about this that I actually I liked in with what I saw. Um, you know what? I took the last one, man. Um, how, how, do you, how do you feel? And again, we only got about five minutes left. Um, how do you feel about Devin Haney and his performance? Both. Devin, Devin Haney is young. He's young. 20 years old is very young. And I think these next four years are just going to do so much for him in terms of the power that he brings for a fight. Um, right? It, He's a star, the knockout. Bro. The knockout was spectacular. Before the knockout, I was just saying, I was just thinking to myself, damn, like he's so good in there. Like he's so good. He has some small gaps that will get that will get closed. Nothing alarming. Um, but he's young. But I just wanted to see him getting get him out of there because clearly the fighter didn't belong in there with him. And it took the perfect shot. To and Antonio Moran is a good fighter. You go back and look at his records. You look at what he's done. That dude isn't just a scrub. You know, I mean, he went out there and he beat a really a, a solid fighter. This was one of those good tests. I'm not saying it was a huge step up, but I thought it was a really good test for Devin Haney. Um, 
And and I think he looked awesome. I think he he beat him in every facet of the of the fight. But I've seen him do that in a couple fights now. I want to start to see him get those fighters out of there. And so he did in this fight. I think it took him a little bit long, and it took the perfect punch. I want to see a little bit more power to where he can maybe he can maybe hurt him, get him out of there a bit earlier. Now he got him out of there in brilliant fashion. No compl- no complaints there. Knockout was amazing. I, but if right. I no I I I. I, I I kind of see what you said. You're saying, I I I, thir- I thoroughly disagree. He was showing power from the second round on. Not all fighters ha- are like are Deontay Wilder, and when you're fighting somebody who's actually tough, you got to work to get him out there. What he did was, he shows he has incredible counters. He shows he has incredible speed. He shows he has incredible accuracy. He shows his timing is top notch. And one thing else, he's becoming a body snatcher. He It wasn't yes. one shot that got him. He broke that fool down. And it was actually the body shot that set up the knockout. It was it was it was a it was a, a, a fucking right hand to the body. He rechambered quickly and threw a brick to the face. Devin Beautiful. Haney. I, 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 his power is coming along just fine. He's 20 years old. He did what he was supposed to do. He had a tough opponent. We went out there and he put on a showcase. All, all I'm saying is I'm just waiting for the four years from now where that fight doesn't go past three because it's not he though Antonio Moran was a tough customer. He was not on Devin Haney's level. And it was we never confused it for that. Devin Haney was landing good shots throughout. From, I'm just from waiting, the second like, round on. From the first round, I mean, yeah, and, you're right. And, 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 but three, four years from now, that fight doesn't go past three or four. Yeah, but he's also going to be fighting different level opponents. You know what I'm Correct. saying? So yes, a fighter at this caliber at that point, yeah. But where he is now in his career, I think he's doing. I think that was perfect. That's exactly, I, I, he did exactly what he was supposed to do, man. He looks incredible, and I'll be honest with you, he is somebody who I thoroughly believe is going to be one of the names of in boxing in the next 10 years he's gonna be like that i'm being a little bit more critical of him because he's looking at a lomachenko fight in the next year he has one more fight and he's in line for the winner of lomachenko he he and his pops were talking about moving up to 140 okay that's what they were just talking about after this fight his dad had an interview and he they're both they're like after they're they're saying you know they want to move to 140 relatively soon I mean, he just posted on his Instagram, and let me get there really quickly. I'm doing his stuff on the fly. Um, that, and I'm be honest with you, I don't believe shit fighters say. I believe their coaches, and I believe their promoters, damn near more than them. Yeah, I see. I, I see that. I, I see. Yeah, he, he must have taken it down. But he had said he had recently posted something on his Instagram just saying that, like, um, because someone I think it wasn't Luke Cam. Oh, Teofimo Lopez. He had done something or made a decision to go in a different direction that put it put him in a position where he's in the driver's seat for the winner of Luke Campbell Lomachenko. So we do have to be pretty critical judging him if he's looking at a Lomachenko fight in the next year, which I do not think he's ready for yet. No, I, don't, I agree. I, I agree. Um, no, nah, man, look, he's a truth man. And, uh, I can't wait to see what he has, uh, in store in the future. B cam bro. Thank you so much, man. This is a good one today, bro. 
Uh, yes, sir. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. And if you have not seen that Devin Haney knockout, please take some time and go watch it. Great googly moogly. That one was nuts, man. All right, brother. I appreciate you. Um, enjoy the festivities this weekend. And uh, I know we'll be talking really soon after this uh, AJ fight. And for your sake, I hope he knocks him out with a really close uppercut. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, brother. We'll wrap soon. All right. Be good. Yes, sir. All right, yo, that was my conversation today with Brandon Camille, man. Yo, this was one was really, really fun. Um, as you can see, the conversation at times was a little spicy, uh, but it's always a good time, man. I always appreciate Brandon's perspective, and um, it's always a joy and a pleasure to have him on the on the show, man. And I'm glad you guys enjoy him on there as well. Um, look, this weekend is going to be great. It's going to be a real, um, a real fun event and it's going to tell us a lot. And that's one of the things that I think I am the most excited about how much this fight is going to tell us, um, specifically the Andy Ruiz, obviously Anthony Joshua fight. It's going to tell us a lot about the heavy division, how it's going to continue stacking up and essentially the trajectory of these big time fighters is one of the giants going to take a fall. Are we going to have someone new Put their name in the mix. We have the big three. We know our champion, Deontay Wilder, their champion, Anthony Joshua, and the lineal king, Tyson Fury. So when you think about this, yo, we have a unique opportunity where the heavyweight boxing division, yo, this, this might be a golden era of heavyweight boxers, man. And Ruiz is legit. Joseph Parker is legit. Big Baby Miller, before he took all the steroids, was legit. There are so many guys out there who any given day can win. And here's the thing, and this is what more than anything else truly makes me worried for Anthony Joshua is this. First USA card. Short notice opponent who literally has nothing to lose and thoroughly understands that this is his possibly one and only opportunity. And again, not knowing the 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 whole the change of everything, man. Oh, you know what the opponent change, and we don't know how he's going to react being here in the states. So I'm curious to see um, what happens with Anthony Joshua. I thoroughly believe him. Like I said in the episode, he is a champion. He's extremely skilled. Um, I just have question marks, and I think Anne Ruiz will be able to answer a lot of these for us. Um, the rest of the card is phenomenal. Obviously, we have the UFC card um, fight night. It is headlined by Alexander Gustafson as well as um, Anthony Smith, and that is also on Saturday. It has some wild start time at like... 10 a.m. or 1 p.m. Central Time or something crazy um, because it's out there. Um, but obviously, we talked about that a little bit more in episode 116. Uh, so without further ado, man, with everything, I think that's about it. Thank you, as always, for listening to us today. Our super crazy long episode, man. I, I tried never to have two-hour episodes, but you know, when, when you have other people on the show, sometimes we just continue having conversation, man, and it's a lot of fun. So um, thank you, as always, for listening. Um, this is episode 117 of the Fight Podcast. I am your host, Serge Vicente. Love you guys. Catch you next time. Peace out.